Hello and welcome to Elite Week, episode 34, Friday, August 28th, 2020, Galactic Water Cooler. How are you doing? Oh, what a day. Man. All right, let's get to this. Now, first off, I'm your host, Kai Zen, and just to make it official, let's uh, get that started right. With me tonight, we've got Arson Tech on the Arson Cross on the tech. Hello, English. I can do it. Arson, say hello to the beautiful people. Hello. <laughs> that was like a that wasn't that wasn't a I'm cracking this one with the boys. That was a I need this to keep going. <laughs> you are damn right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you heard his laughter already. Say hello to Roy. Hello everyone. Glad you could all join us. Got a great they, show. Yeah, I think Roy's taking it easy tonight. He went a little heavy last week, and by the end I'm of the show, I'm by chilling. the end of the show, he needed help just staying upright. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and of course we have the incomparable Tweet. Say hello to the people, Tweet. Hello, good evening, everybody. Made it to another weekend. Yay! Here we go. Hell yes, and. I think you guys might know our special guest tonight. I think a few of you might have heard about him. Might have heard about him here. Say hello to everybody, Mattias. Hello, everybody. I'm I'm completely insane. Um, don't listen to <laughs> anything I say on any type of social media platform. Um, <laughs> that's me. I don't know. I thought your Trump 2020 speech was reasonable oh, and measured. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> politics oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 everybody we're gonna have a uh a a, a uh, good dose of uh of uh uh tin foil out tonight for your hats because uh yeah Mattias, my man Mattias goes deep on the theories and i i dig it i love it you know we love it here so all right here we go Whew. So to start off, our cover art tonight was Seems Legit. I named it that. This is from Unknown Source. Like, I've seen so many of these go around. I know Toko So had one, but I've seen, like, three other people posting stuff and, and whatnot. So I just love the idea of, you know, flying a nice little chieftain overneath, uh, over a uh, a uh, uh, ice planet with uh, seeing those uh, at-ats walking by. That shit is legit. All right. And for the podcast intro, what have we got to talk about today? Well, Galnet Watch is continuing. The last post was the Vita Dye Nanomeds on June 9th, 3305, which was 70 days ago today. Oh, soon, hopefully, question mark. Hopefully. All right, Roy, why don't you hit the full intro stuff for the podcast? Yeah, sure. So if you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, you can check us out at youtube.com forward slash elite week. If you're watching us on YouTube and you'd like to know how to catch our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash elite week. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at eliteweek3306 at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at 
tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord, where you can check out community feedback, resources on turning the wheel, and real-time updates about Elite from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. We record live on YouTube every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, midnight UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use, and let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. We don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. Absolutely. And I'm going to add one last thing. If you do give us a rating on one of those spots, please do me a favor and uh, email us a, a pic or a notice of it or, or post it on the Discord because, oh boy, we we can't find them. We, we don't see them. We only see, like I'll see if it's in the United States on iTunes, but we don't see all the other stuff. Um, so please uh, uh, do that for our sanity. All right, let's get to this. Starting off right away with our guest, Mattias. Mattias, tell the good people a little bit about yourself. Obviously, we, you know, everybody knows about you, but just tell us a little bit about yourself. You, your YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash Mattias, M A T T I U S. I know it has that little forward slash C in the thing there, but you can leave that out. So it is just. You could just put forward slash Mattias. Um, your content with regard to sort of conspiracy theories and lore. I mean, it's not conspiracy theories per se in that it starts, it's all based in lore. You're talking about, okay, this happens, this happens, but then it wanders into that sort of territory are I think some of the finest in the game. And this game has amazing conspiracies or, or mysteries, let's say, to probe into why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started and and what makes you tick and what kind of videos you know excite you well um it all actually started off with um i've, I've been playing elite dangerous now for about three years i started on uh, started off on xbox uh ditched it for a bit went elsewhere uh then bought it on pc and then just fell in love with the game all over again uh particularly the exploration aspect of the game um, and then I started reading about the uh, other stuff in the game. So, for instance, Roxlaw, the Dark Wheel, etc. And I, I typed it into YouTube to look for it. And then I come across Guru's videos. And wow, mm. good, just Guru's videos just opened my eyes on the whole thing about it. Um, whether it's true or not, it's just it's interesting to say the least. So I went on a massive binge through Guru's videos. And then... Um, I, I thought it'd be something I wanted to do. I mean, it was at a particularly difficult period of my in my life at that point, um, so I needed something to focus on that was artistic. Um, and then I started doing short videos on first mm -hmm. Fargoid War, doing the different um, the different sites, etc. And then I covered. Um, 
covered the uh, covered the Hawkins Gap, covered uh, Conflux, yeah, Formula Nine Rift, and I got mentioned on City and Ant, and I was massively stoked about that, and <laughs> I, I kind of took a little bit of, of a break in between there, so I was unsure of whether I wanted to carry on with it, or it up until now and the update, because mm. I didn't really know what to cover, and then I just thought, fuck it, might as well just cover Raxlar and the Dark Wheel, and started doing massive amounts of research towards it, etc., and mm-hmm. yeah, I just well, I went from there, and my videos speak for themselves yeah i i you, the three-part series that you did on the conflux the formidine rift and the what was the third one um the formidine rift yeah formidine rift the conflux and the oh, hawkins, hawkins, hawkins yes that those three i hold those three pieces up and i challenge anyone watch those three videos and you tell me a single content creator who is making better stuff on the sort of in-depth esoteric uh, lore of of this game. Though, I mean, I like all of your videos, don't get me wrong. Uh, and we're going to even talk about your new one here in just a moment. But those three to me are like the way a lot of people talk about The Godfather 2 or, or you know, they'll talk about uh, Citizen Kane or whatever, where it's like, this shit is just next level. This is... This is just, I, I think if I were to take a dozen videos that I tell people, this is all you can ever see of Elite Dangerous, and I have to sell you on the idea, those three videos would be in that dozen, all three of them. Fucking top-notch, sir. So hats well, off. I mean, salute. all I can actually say in response to that is I'm humbled. I mean, I'm not I'm not the best editor in the world. I've not got the best computer in the world. Uh, I don't know the best techniques because I've not been doing it for years. I've literally been doing it for about six months. Um, but I'm, I'm just glad that people enjoy my content in general. Um, I'm glad that I'm involved in this sort of thing that is elite. With regard to your newest video, uh, Elite Dangerous Theories, Jacques Station and the Signal, right? Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that, that obviously link is going to be in the show notes for those to check. As soon as we're done here, go check that video out because it is legit. Um, there's a lot of interesting things about that whole story with shocks. There's the whole part about, you know, he, he built a station, a a whole state. Well, I mean, he bought a station, but then he retrofitted it with all kinds of stuff and Whereas our, our, our uh, you know, fleet carriers get, you know, 500 light years to a jump and and uh, the, the uh, capital ships for the Alliance and the, the uh, Federation and the, the, the Empire, you know, they get uh, their jump range. Uh, Jacques jumped 22,000 light years, 21.8 thousand light years in one jump and he was looking to go further he was looking to go to beagle point like that's sort of ridiculous that nobody really sort of talks about that that it's like hey man this guy had a station that jumped 50 times farther than we can sort of cobble together with the best i you know tech how to do it and this is a bartender who was basically got a station that's his sort of uh, Winnebago and he he took it out there and did some crazy shit. Also there's the part about him going on a secret mission out in the black before he did that big Colonia jump and like where did he go? What did he encounter? What did he find that that 
gave him the ability to do that, right? And 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 lastly, the oddness of the signal itself, which you show off in that video, that is like super, super, super. Uh, I don't know. I think it's super, super interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done Jack Station's always been an interesting one uh, since I've been watching videos on Elite Dangerous all the way back from when I was playing on the Xbox. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, Obsidian, um, I, I covered the events, etc., and the fact the fact that his station went missing and then it reappeared and then it jumped to Colonia. And the the one thing over the uh, past couple of months that I've been researching topics for different videos um, has been the jump range itself. So. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, what, why, why is his jump range so ridiculously long in comparison to other things like the 500 light year? Is it 500 light year jump range for a fleet carrier? Yep. Um, yeah. So the 500 light year jump range for carriers. Um, I just thought it was a little bit strange, but yeah, some people will say it's plot holes, but it can be explained in other ways, and it's kind of what my videos. Um, exploring that way it's it's about um, how they can actually ex- explain those gaps and how they can incorporate that into a storyline because the whole thing about storyline within the game is it builds a universe that's larger than just the game itself so if you've got other stuff that's going on that's beyond the game so for instance literature or other other elements um, it makes the game bigger so I've always wanted to make the game bigger um, and this is one of those elements that I wanted to explore. So I'm just glad you like like the video itself. Absolutely, brother. So everybody check out the video. It will be in the show notes. Uh, as soon as we're done here, go check it out and check out his, his other works as well. Basically, start down the list and just keep going. And you're going to uh, hopefully leave with... I don't think your videos give answers so much as they highlight things that people didn't know about and they give them questions and i think that's an awesome thing where you're giving them you're arming them with some facts that then sends commanders out into the universe to explore and to try to come up with theories or answers or what have you for things and i think Uh, yeah yeah again that's um I'll, I'll be honest that's something i've kind of stolen from guru because guru his style was always asking questions for place to go and explore etc to go and go out there and explore the lore of the galaxy or to go and explore the mystic the mysticism that is within your mind um one of the things that i really like about horror things at uh, horror game at uh, horror films mm. um is when a horror film is really in your face and it's really gratuitously violent or it's really gratuitously obvious you can see everything etc it's not very good but if you have a horror film for instance rosemary's baby and you don't actually see a lot of that with it within the film it leads your imagination to be much wilder than what the film could ever portray so I, I kind of want people to go out there and explore these things, and I get messages. Um, I got what I got a couple today saying, um, "Oh, well, I've got to go and travel to Colonia now. I'm going to investigate this." But that's kind of the purpose. It's I, I want people to go out there and explore it because, again, going back on other things that I've seen in the past, people have always said Elite Dangerous doesn't have any lore. It doesn't. It's not that type of game or Elite in what lore, etc. But I've always seen the lore in the game and I've always enjoyed the lore. So I I wanted to explore that and I wanted other people to explore that as well. So 
Absolutely. Elite Dangerous is, there's a lot of people that say, oh, Elite Dangerous is a million miles wide and an inch deep. And it's like, no, it's not. It, it, it is an inch deep in places. There are some places where it is an inch deep. But if you know where to look, it's plenty deep. There's a ton of story. There's a ton of lore. You just have to find it. Because unlike World of Warcraft, it, this game doesn't hold your hand and take you to it. There's not, you fly, it's not a situation of you fly into a station and there's a dude with a huge, you know, uh, exclamation point over his head. And then you click on him and he gives you the start of the thing. And then later on, when you're finished, you get the question mark. Or maybe I did those backwards. I haven't played wow in a, in a couple of years but it's not like that it's it's more like a true mystery where there might be some just little throwaway line reference to something that if you're paying close attention and catch the reference it means the whole world to you but if you're not you're gonna miss it so yeah i i 100 percent agree with you on that so Mattias, give us a little sneak peek give us a little hint Tell us what's what's next. What are, what are your thoughts are rolling around in your brain? What's going to be the next video we should be on the lookout for? Well, um, of recent, I've been exploring the idea of doing live streams. Um, I'm I'm going to continue to do law videos. So for the next couple of weeks, or at least the next month or so, um, I'm going to post out one of the free law videos on the major factions. So I'm going to explore the Empire, the Alliance, uh, the Federation, uh, do a big breakdown of the history of, of one of those factions, and then just move on from there. But in terms of the live stream itself, what I want to explore is something i've actually uncovered for the past couple of weeks um and I, I don't want to be one of those that that sort of says oh well i found something out and you better tune in next week to find out but it's just i can't really talk about it right now but it's just something i want to explore in connection with signals in connection with possible rockslaw lead and shimrata desra beautiful beautiful well i mean you gave enough people enough of a tease that you know, they have an idea of the general ballpark of what you're talking about. And now they get to come and see and, and explore it with you and see how it plays out. That's awesome. All right. Well, Mattias, strap in with us as we go on our weekly tour uh, guided by alcohol and the ramblings of a madman, myself, uh, through the galaxy. All right. So let's check it out. So for starters here. We've got the Dark Wheel update. All right, so where is the Dark Wheel at? Well, guys, we said probably on the 27th, the Dark Wheel was going to uh, finally expand out of Anyanwu. We've been sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for. Guess what? It expanded on the 27th, right on schedule. So that was like, yay, because we were hoping that it wasn't like gonna go till the 28th or 29th. As soon as it popped, I moved the dark, uh, the Black Sky Legion uh, over to HR four nine seven nine, and I told them, "Hey, we're going to we we're in the sixties on the influence. You've got two two choices. We can take our time and we can get it up to seventy five over the next three days or so. If you want to, that's completely fine. That's on schedule because that'll be we'll be there." right as the uh, cooldown is wearing off on the uh, expansion out of, uh, into four, uh, excuse me, five, four, five, five. So that'll be, that'll be completely fine. But I told them also, if you want, if you want to go ham, you do it sooner 
we can go into five four five five get into that war mix it up you know kick some people in the teeth and say what up we're here to break shit uh and guess what on the very first day the very first tick they got us over 75 percent so i have unleashed the hounds and they are moving in like locusts to five four five five and they're going to be wrecking shit so look forward to that in five four five five we are um in a uh war you know to move in it's one of those invasion wars and it's uh the 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 cool thing about it is we are poised we're in a war right now with the wolf 1481 resistance i've had my guys getting shit in order and getting ready to crash the system systematically and that is exactly what we're going to do right here we're going to make sure that we set it up such that we blow by everybody that are sort of lined up close to each other and we jump right up to uh the influence of gq virginis general corporation which is in charge of the system then they have half the influence in the whole system we're gonna we're going to in a week we're going to take uh get ourselves to the point of having initiating a war for control of this system and we're going to sweep that war in four days and within a week after that we will be getting uh so two weeks from today two weeks from today's show i'm going to be telling you guys that we're ready to expand out of five four five five and this expansion this one will be the one that will we are aiming for our target system to test the soul theory so this is very very exciting times i am uh very much looking forward to seeing how fast we can systematically take this because the legion is put together and they're they are working like a fine oiled machine so that is awesome out of 4979 we've already shaping we're in the process of shaping the jump that jump is going towards the lave system so far all i can say is every last thing has like everything that we put our mind to we accomplished so i am so damn proud of the the legion is getting it done the general army all of you people out there that are spinning the wheel are doing amazing work the hamster the rabbit hamster assault force they are doing fantastic work in shaping our jumps like just every last thing is 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 going at, at high speed so uh, i'm going to open it up to arson you have any thoughts with regard to the dark wheel uh the just the impending proximity to soul is is very exciting beyond right that on. i don't have anything else other to say other than uh the fleet carrier ops have a shiny new system for everybody to enjoy yes they do and they they've been doing amazing stuff i think you guys emptied out like three fleet carriers yesterday that's we legit did. right on roy your thoughts oh i i would just say it's uh it's a real pleasure and honor to be a part of something that's working so well <laughs> it's Beautiful. uh lots of fun missions and Glad to see it's progressing as planned. Right on. Tweaked. Hit us up. 
It's beautiful when a plan comes together like this. Everything is going smoothly, smoothly and wonderfully well, and very excited to get to one of the major first test points of this whole project. And Mattias, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this whole Dark Wheel project. What do you think about all this silliness we're getting up to? Um, I, th I think the, the, the overall objective, so initially was it LFT 9, I can't remember the numbers, but the LFT 9 or whatever system. 509, that's it. Um, that was the wrong target, but overall what you're doing, it's, it's very, very, very notable. And there's been very few organizations from the past year that has actually done something with this, with the game. And I just I just want to thank you and all the other guys that have actually done something with it. and got people keep playing the game, which is really important for me. And I'd just like to thank you. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're having fun with it. Uh, I'll talk to you later about 509 and why you think that's the wrong target and see if you got any no info for us or we'll go back and forth and one of us is going to surprise the other, I think. All right. So moving it on to real world science, we're going to start off with what the math. There's new surprising discoveries from series. Uh, basically, they're, they're showing off the Okator Crater. It's a name that has, I, I don't know why it has that name, but the Okator, O-C-C-A-T-E-R Crater is so Ceres is the largest asteroid in the belt but unlike Vesta which is just slightly smaller Ceres is spherical uh, and as a result of it being icy as opposed to rocky you know it has that nice sphere to it uh, and it's interesting so so Ceres is technically it's the closest dwarf planet to Earth uh, it's the closest planet with a large amount of water. Ceres has, in fact, a subsurface ocean. Underneath the layer of rock, there is a what you would call an ocean, or I guess technically it would actually be a lake uh, that is surrounding a rocky core. And you see right there in that in that crater, the Okator Crater, which has a funny name now that I keep saying it. Uh, there's that weird what they call a, 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 I think it's called a facule, which is a weird, weird name. But uh, it's basically you're getting bits of salt there that is coming off of the water, the briny brackish water that is sort of evaporating off. Um, and that that salt is is what is leading them to believe that and other things with the composition is what's leading them to say that, okay, there's this amount of this composition of water underneath the, the, uh, the uh, surface of, of Ceres, which basically, long story short, we will eventually get Beltalotas out there to harvest Te Aqua. Uh, oddly, Ceres, this is a weird thing for, for, for elite dangerous commanders. Ceres is not included in the soul system, which that's a mystery I'd like my buddy Matthias to look into because, like, what the hell, man? David Braben is a huge fan of astronomy, is a huge fan of all of the sort of technical realism with regard to our solar system, but just the, the largest dwarf planet. And, I mean, this is huge. Ceres is a big deal. In, in not just um, sort of, you know, the expanse. Ceres is, like, literally, that's where we get the word cereal from. It's because the god of the grain was Ceres. And uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Um, so 
Yeah, and I just want to clarify. I'm not talking about Sirius. I'm talking about Ceres, C-E-R-E-S, which is a dwarf planet in our solar system. What's that? Uh, yeah, in the asteroid belt. Um, yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, it's quite interesting in terms of the solar system itself and the old conspiracy theories that have dated back since the 60s and 70s. I've grew up with a lot of this stuff. Um, my mom used to date some guy who was... He was a mason. He used to tell me all kinds of stuff, like the the planet was colonized by aliens, etc. I'm not saying I do or I don't believe that stuff. I'm just saying it's there, and it's always been in my past. So I've always explored this stuff as a as a as, as a fact of curiosity rather than um, more than anything else. But Ceres um, and Mars as well. Um, Mars used to be something different. So like you said before, with the down uh, what the math video. Um, I watch a lot of What The Math. Uh, I, I think he's a really, really... Anton Petrov, he's a really good YouTuber. Um, yeah. And he was explaining on one of his videos before that um, possibly Mars might have not been a water world or at least uh, an Earth-like world as people thought. It was a nice world. But um, I think there's a lot of turmoil going on in the solar system in the past and Ceres in particular. That was a, uh, an amalgamation of objects that was possibly there from another object which goes into the the big rabbit hole that is um nibiru and all that stuff and blah 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 i'm not going to go into that but series um up until recently there was a light on series mm -hmm. and it was quite strange um and i just thought it was quite strange that there was a light on series and whatever that was probably was something else which was quite explainable um if you translate that into elite dangerous and the ancient aliens and it, try and try and incorporate that into into a storyline within elite dangerous then you could quite easily do that because the the guardians are millions of years old the fargoids are millions of years more old um there's strange artifacts on mars um they could incorporate more storylines into that and more more things about the pyramid but i don't know what the copyright the copyright deal is with robert holstock's material or whether they've even got that or not i i really don't know it's again it's just incoherent rumblings so i do apologize no, it's interesting stuff i can tell you've read some Zach zachariah sitchin when you start throwing around nibiru <laughs> yeah yeah all right uh arson what do you think about this interesting video about series i think it's super interesting i, I kind of want to latch on to something that that you said when we started the segment though kai and series is not in the game and this is this is a mild theory but i wonder i just wonder because we supposedly had seventy thousand generation ships manufactured and sent out in elite's lore i wonder if that's where series went or they took all of Aqua. Yeah, or it could uh, be Raxla and maybe hopping around. Uh, I'm going to throttle <laughs> you later. All right, we're going to skip right past that thought and move right on to Roy. Roy, what do you think? Uh, I'm glad to see there's another yet another body in the solar system with a subsurface, uh, whether it's a lake or an ocean. This one's closer. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's exciting that we got a helicopter headed to Mars, but I'm holding out for... You know, when are we getting the first uh, submersible drone that can go to one of these subsurface oceans? I think that's where we're going to see some real, real oh, cool stuff. I think the, the one on Sirius is sort of smaller in nature and, and around the rock. If you want to talk about a subsurface 
sub a SSRV. Let's let's get on your rope, my friend, because that's where the shit's gonna get interesting. All right, tweet. What do you think about this uh, series video? It's just amazing how much it's like every day there's a great new video coming out about something we've learned in the outer reaches of space or what would have been the outer reaches of space not too many years ago and i think you're right all roads lead back to the expanse we're headed that way <laughs> all right so moving on to the next video we've got insane curiosity another fantastic content creator put out a video about the kardashev scale how far can our civilization go? Now, if you look on the screen right there, there's the three sort of images. It's an image of what a Kardashev type one civilization might look like, a Kardashev type two civilization, and a Kardashev type three civilization. So what is, what are we talking about when we say a Kardashev type one, two, and three? Because I've mentioned it a few times in the last couple of weeks with regard to other things. And I felt like I really wanted to sort of come back and clarify that for people that might be going, what the hell is this guy is always talking about? So Kardashev uh, was a uh, physicist, and he had a theory with regard to how you classify different civilizations. And this was with regard to how you would sort of look for other civilizations out there, SETI type stuff. And the idea was that a Kardashev type one civilization is measured by the fact that the civilization has the ability to collect all of the energy coming to or from its planetary body. So to be clear, Earth right now is what scientists call, well, it, originally it was classified as a type zero Kardashev civilization, but now scientists have classified us as being, I, I think we're like a 0.75, a 0 0.75. And the reason why we're not a Kardashev type one civilization yet is because a Kardashev type one civilization will would have the ability to capture all of the light coming in from the sun, i.e. solar panels and whatnot, would capture all of the wind energy, all of the hydro energy, all of the thermal vent energy that's coming into sunlight and out of, uh, you know, wind, uh, 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 tides and, and thermal vents planet so once we become a Kardashev type one civilization and i think they're saying that we're predicted to become a Kardashev type one civilization sort of within the next hundred years or so we will have all of that ability and basically you know the reason why we're not a Kardashev type one yet is because we're basically scavenging for dinosaur you know like fossilized dinosaur blood uh, uh, you know, oil. We, we're, we're pulling oil and coal from the ground. All of these things are basically what happens when plants and animal carcasses get smushed underground for thousands and or millions of years. You end up with oil and, and, and coal and shit like that. So in the near future, the next hundred years or so, when we fully are able to, you know, we have clean uh, fission energy, uh, uh, or sorry, fusion energy. Uh, wait. E yeah, yeah. Fusion is the one that the, the one that's yeah better long term, but that we haven't quite cracked yet. We can do fusion. We can do it right now. We are in fact doing it right now. Scientists are doing fusion, but it's what they classify as inefficient fusion. It takes so much energy to do that it's almost sort of it's kind of not worth it but we're doing it because we're trying to get better at it so that we can 
move to the point of, you know, doing it to where it's it's way cheaper to do it and we get a lot out of it. So that would be a type one civilization in the next hundred years or so. A type two civilization can capture all of the energy emanating from its system's star. So in this case, Sol, the, 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 our sun. Once we get to the point where we can capture all of the energy coming from our sun, which, you know, is going to be, I don't know, maybe thousands of years away, um, then we will be a Kardashev Types 2 civilization. And at that point, you get things like the idea of like a Dyson sphere or you get Dyson swarms or the different, uh, you know, uh, sort of mechanical looking jobbies that are either a complete sphere or a thing that looks kind of like that big Game of Thrones clockwork thing that but you would surround a sun with it. You would collect all the energy and with that energy you collect, you could do amazing things. And then a Kardashev type three civilization can capture all of the energy that comes from the galaxy that it is in, which would mean that we would have harnessed the power of Sagittarius A star. We would have harnessed the power of all of the suns, multiple suns, as we go through our, uh, our galaxy. And at that point, we would be a pan-galactic we would be able to leave this galaxy with all the energy we collect and go even to other galaxies and that's the kind of thing that is you know millions of years away that's that's crazy incomprehensible in the future type shit but that's what that video is all about it's super super interesting and the guy explains it way better than i do so go check it out and next up uh we have and we're going to collect sort of thoughts on both we have The Verge did a thing. Elon Musk today, just a, an hour or two ago, uh, literally it wrapped up within the last hour. Elon Musk did a demo, a tech demo of working Neuralink device. And they had it hooked up to some pigs. Why don't you talk us through it, Roy? Uh, <laughs> you were I was getting the last of the show notes together yeah. while you were watching the live stream. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up, folks. Um this this had a lot more in it than I thought we were going to see. He, so he's got uh, a device. Uh, let's start with that. It's a device that's the size of a large coin that they can put in a uh, a skull. So they replace a little disc of your skull. And then they have these uh, silicon carbide threads that go into your brain. And they have a robot already that does the surgery that injects these into your brain. And they've put these in pigs. And they brought out the pigs and showed them live uh with the thing you know making noises and showing how it was uh responding to their uh i think they were uh the part of the brain that was um taking signals as the as the pigs did things with their snout and then they also showed how they could measure the pigs like limbs as they were walking on a treadmill and it could tell the position of the limbs through this little device uh really mind-blowing stuff now <clears throat> just to be clear for those sitting at home going what the fuck why are we making skynet why are we turning people into automaton robots blah 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 my understanding is that the initial concept of this roy is that you know your your husband uh, or wife 
gets into a car accident, becomes a paraplegic, cannot move their arms, cannot move their legs, goes mm -hmm. blind, has a stroke, yep. whatever the fuck. And they're now, you know, sort of a potato. They're now unable to move, unable to whatever. This thing can like hook up to stuff, send off signals into the spinal, whatever. And now your wife can get up and walk or, you know, yeah. has access to their arms again or can, you know, whatever, speak without, you know, being messed up from the stroke or whatever. Like, this is, I know this sounds scary, 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 but like, this is fucking beautiful stuff, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the applications you just mentioned are certainly the most, uh, humanitarian and compassionate uses of the technology to, you know, restore, um, ability to people who've, you know, uh, been in accidents or things have developed that way and they, they don't have full function. Um, one thing that Elon did say though, in a, in a response to a question about, you know, uh, will they be able to put these electrodes even deeper into the brain to do more things? He said, well, even with just going to the surface of the brain that can already take care of basically all physical motion and all of your senses. Um, so that right there blows way past um, just the initial, you know, uses to restore ability. Um, this gets into uh, augmenting ability, enhancing ability, because this is a two-way channel. They're not just reading signals from the brain. They are, um, one of these slides shows like a, a red dot and a green field, and what they show is when they energize these uh, these uh, leads, the, the the neurons react. So it's a it's a two way uh, communication. So, so how far um, how far in do they have to go so they can get assholes to stop taking cell phone calls on the subway and pick <laughs> up their trash instead of just throwing it out on the street? Yeah, I think behavior might be a deeper part of the brain, <laughs> but uh, I I guess all I'd say is this was a lot further along than I thought it was. Um, Crazy. What, he, what Elon said is basically this this presentation is a recruiting activity. They're, they're, they already had a panel of neuroscientists and engineers and doctors and uh, surgeons and so forth, and, and they're looking for many, many more people to scale this up. Um, the, the reason they want to make a, a – the, the reason why they're developing this robotic surgery in parallel, of course, it's about being accurate and safe, but – that also makes it scalable. So they're 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 envisioning this is like a an outpatient procedure where you lay down, the thing goes kachunk, and you're done, and you get up and walk out. Um, and and they could scale this to hundreds of millions of people. So I'm just imagining when they get to the point where they can make kale taste like cheesecake, and all of the fat people just say, "Take my money," and you know, kale's beautiful, man. Kale is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> You know what this reminded me of? No uh, one's ever, sorry, sorry. No one's ahead. actually ever said kale is actually beautiful. So yeah, I'll show. <laughs> For the record, yes. Uh, if you recall uh, Larry Niven Ringworld, uh, mm -hmm. where they had basically uh, the equivalent of drug addicts, where there was a lead put into people's brain that basically directly stimulated the pleasure center, and people got kind of flaked out on that. Yeah. Um, I could totally see that being a misuse of of this kind of tech pretty easily. I Absolutely. Ian M. Banks with his whole culture series had had a couple of books that had some stuff that kind of went that a little bit that way too, where it was interesting. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next piece. Arson, why don't you talk us through this uh the uh the the Navy FA eighteen squadron commander did a talk on they did this big test and basically DARPA had 
a series of, I think it was eight AIs, and they had them go on a sort of ladder against each other, like it, like they were college basketball teams, and the the winner got to go up against a uh, a, a real world Navy F eighteen uh, uh, fighter pilot, and uh, it cleaned his clock. Yeah, I found that article to be a very interesting, but also extremely exciting read, um, just from the perspective that the the pilot that was sharing his thoughts on it, like, you know, he, he's a pilot telling a story, and, you know, it kind of made me feel like I was in a book or something. Um, but it, it's really, really, really interesting, because they highlighted, uh, or he highlighted, as a few key factors, one of which being... Uh, Arguably, in my opinion, uh, the fact that an AI-controlled drone does not have physical limitations that are going to cause it to uh, turn into goo like a human in <laughs> enormously fast uh, high-G turns. Um, but the... I, I don't remember the exact stats because it's been a few days since I read the article, but essentially what wound up happening was over the course of five engagements in this AI test, I believe it was five engagements, the AI scored 15 hits mm -hmm. uh, against the pilot and not once did the human pilot score or even have a chance to hit the AI in this dogfight. And an important key to remember in this dogfight, we're not talking about two super high-tech aircraft that are just being like, okay, I have a sensor's locks from, you know, 20 kilometers away. I'm going to fire my missiles. No, we're talking like these aircraft, AI versus human, engaged in a traditional dogfight with modern fighter aircraft. They were, yeah, to be to clarify, because I watched the video. They, they had a video on YouTube. Uh, oh, I missed that. It, it was, it was a dogfight, and it was uh, engagement with guns. It was guns. It was not missiles. So you're absolutely yeah, was right. Very it was very, cool. very close. And it was showing. At one point, they showed uh, the the fighter pilot went into an S curve, and the uh, AI, literally, it first went inverted. Then it, it, it was kind of hilarious because to me, I was like, hey, this was in Top Gun. It went inverted. It came, it undercut the, it like cut inside of the S curve. And when the pilot came out, he tried like three different juke moves to shake it. And every time he would go to shake, the AI just shaved to the inside and like cut a little off the angle, cut a little off the angle. And then at the very end, the, the pilot had nothing. He was just, he was stuck. It was good stuff. So now we know that thanks to Roy's video, we know that uh, the robot overlords will be putting diodes and, and whatnot into our head. And also fear bacon, because it could be uh, the next Terminator. <laughs> and thanks to Arson's video, we know that it wouldn't matter anyways, because the robots could kick the shit out of us in fighter pilots skills. So that's we got that to look forward to. Uh, let's start with Arson. Your thoughts on all of this stuff? Uh, so I, I'll start with the Neuralink thing. Um, fantastic technology. The idea of being able to help people that have lost the ability to use their limbs because of various injuries. Fantastic. But if it's as cheap and as accessible as the goal that's been outlined, 
we already have people that body mod like crazy and i'm not worried about people body modding and abusing it for like the pleasure center stimulation or anything like that you do you what worries me though is that 10 meter <laughs> wireless access range of something that can not just read your brain but write to it and that that is genuinely genuinely terrifying it is finally a use for a tinfoil hat <laughs> <laughs> literally literally um and the ai thing uh just that that also uh, i'm i'm a person that looks at technology and is like okay where are the the shitty people in our world gonna misuse this and that's another thing it's like ooh, super exciting but at the same time also very terrifying i i fear the day that our governments have uh armies of nothing but drones all right moving to tweet we got to keep this yeah. rolling the neurological one to me that that well the first thing i thought of was the six million dollar man you, you implant that implant that and can change things up that's kind of the storyline of the bionic woman or the six million dollar man on a more personal level though my father was in a motorcycle accident and he is not the man that he used to be he was in a coma for six plus months woke up and he's basically like a four-year-old child now and something like that could help him that would be totally amazing so the future could be bright for that kind of stuff the AI, just think about the possibilities of the lives that could be saved going if we have to have another world war or something like that, and we don't actually have to send our troops into those fights. Uh, don't disagree, however, if the AI decides to take over, that could be a Terminator-style battle for the world at that point in time. So exciting, but also a little nerve-wracking at the same time. Well, the scary thing is, if you look through the history of the Cold War with the Russians... There were three or four points where the protocol said for the American side or the Russian side, launch now, launch nuclear first strike. Once there was a, a, a Russian situation where there was, uh, they were getting a false signal off of some balloons or something, and the, their thing said to launch, and there's there's audio tape of the Russian soldiers saying, this doesn't make sense, I'm not going to do it. And he's getting orders, he's getting yelled at, turn the key do it now and the guy's like no it doesn't make sense there's a very very similar situation where from cheyenne mountain there were i think a flock of geese coming out of norway or some shit but it, ha it had to be a massive flock of geese but it came across more than once we had false positive indicators where the signal if you follow the protocol the guys in the silo were supposed to turn the keys and launch missiles on both sides and more than once the entire human race was saved by the fact that there was a human fucking being with that yep. key who said, this doesn't make sense. I'm not doing it. Literally, they broke the rules. The robot would not do that. That's what scares me. Absolutely. But and with all AI, who's to say that the wrong person can't hack into it sometime, some way, somehow? Oh, Jesus. Thanks for that. Roy, your thoughts? Uh, two things. One thing that Elon mentioned as one of the reasons for developing Neuralink was to augment humans so that they could compete with AI. So in his mind, this is how we avoid, you know, saluting the robot overlords. Yeah. Um, the, the second thing is with this uh, F-18 AI test, one of the things that was mentioned that I thought was really interesting is the robot 
the AI does not have to worry about self-preservation. So many of the shots that uh, the, the hits they got were by basically playing chicken with the other plane, going straight on uh, front quarter, gun nose to nose, and that's a that's a maneuver that real pilots are discouraged from using out of self-preservation. And similarly, they won't fight uh, at least in training exercises below a certain altitude to the deck. But an AI isn't going to care. They'll fly right into the ground if that gets them the kill. Absolutely. Matthias. Um, yeah, it's quite a complex uh, subject, to be honest, because there's many different facets to it. But the the actual technology itself, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, the technology with paraplegics or people that struggle with different elements of physical ailments, that's, that, that's great. 100% agree with that. But the manipulation of that technology, that's something that's different. Who controls the actual, the buttons of yes or no of whatever situation it is. Um, when it comes to actual AI controlled, um, AI, AI controlled soldiers or AI controlled fighter jets. Yeah, on the one side you've got um, if robots do our fighting, then we won't actually kill each other. Then people won't get hurt, etc. But Mm, I, again, I, I don't mean to actually bleed into Elite Dangerous yet again, but as we've seen from the Guardian storyline, when when the AI deemed that the people that were really um, the problem with the situation were the humans, or in that case, the Guardians themselves, mm. they got snuffed out pretty quickly, and all we had was the AI. Um, so it's, it's quite a dangerous thing. It's also quite a complex thing for me, so I don't really know. Skynet, yeah, scary as shit. All right, moving on to, uh, so I did two episodes of the show since last week. Last week's Friday show, we were here. We were episode 31, Baskin-Robbins. Saturday, you know, a good, good eight hours after this uh, last week's show ended. Saturday, I did the Super Friendos, which was um, myself, Down to Earth Astronomy, Commander Plater, uh, Burr and Rini from the Burr Pit, uh, Commander Watherspoon and Commander Alec Turner of the Buckyball Race Club. And we talked all about the Dev Diary 1 and the corresponding live stream, uh, which I'm not going to call a Discovery Scanner because it wasn't. Um, if you missed it and you would like to hear all of our thoughts on everything related to that, link is in the show notes. You can check it out. In addition to that, uh, on Wednesday, I did an interview with the, at that time, unannounced new product manager for Elite Dangerous. Uh, his name is Al Alistair Hibbard, uh, but his friends call him Al. Uh, and super interesting guy. He had some very interesting things to say. And it was... I think an interview that everyone, if you play Elite Dangerous, you should listen to that interview. I've gotten so much feedback from people that were so amazingly uh, like happy that they saw that video and, and heard that interview because they felt like they came out of it with a lot of positivity and some questions answered that they felt were, you know, putting them in the right in, in, in the right frame of mind for what's going forward. Let's start with Tweaked. What did you think of the uh, the two interviews, the uh, Super Friendos and the Al Hibbard uh, discussion? 
Well, very interesting. Both of them, I, I enjoyed them both very much. Uh, I agreed with most everything that was said on the Super Friendos one, of course, like we talked about on the Friday Night Show before that. Mm -hmm. The Al Hibbard one especially, though, that one I was able, or at least I felt like I was able to glean some things about Odyssey that he didn't quite, you know, say that was definitely a thing or this is definitely a thing. But the way he was talking, you could almost get a feel for the direction that it might be going, and that left me as I already was, but it left me very thirsty, hungry, and hopeful for what's to come. Right on, right on. Arson, your thoughts on the two? Uh, the Super Friendos was fantastic. Watched the whole thing. I actually had to watch it in two parts, but uh, just just fantastic. Some of the, Getting some of the uh, thoughts from the other content creators was fantastic. Definitely worth a view, but the, the Al Hibbard interview, that uh, really, really stood out to me. Like Tweak said, that was very much a kind of get a feel for the direction. I also left that with the positive, like, man, there's going to be a lot more to Odyssey than they're letting on yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm excited about that. Right on. Right on. All right. And Roy, your thoughts? Uh, you know, from the Super Friendos, I'd say as much praise as there was for the the content of all the good stuff that we had also talked about in the in the Dev Diary. Mm -hmm. I think there was well well deserved criticism of you know the method of delivery and the sort of the miss uh, I don't know if misuse is the right word, but mistitling of you know it 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 wasn't in the same spirit as the original Dev Diaries where there was a technical deep dive in a certain aspect of the game. This was um, more of a marketing thing. And uh, and I think it was correct to call them out on it. Um, I'd like to see them try to steer more towards some um, meaty topics where it's less of a cheerleading. I mean, it's nice to have some some hype, but um, if, you know, it it felt a little overdone um, on some of those uh, on some parts of the discovery scanner and so forth. So it's I think there's quite a bit of fine tuning that could be done to really sharpen that and not have the the method detract from the content. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't have much to add about the Al Hibbard thing other than it was it's a, a definite worth watching. It is uh, some some very good um, meaty content and it's definitely not a, a fluff piece or a marketing exercise. Al was, I think, being as straightforward as he could be. Uh, and yeah, I also uh, felt there was some hints being thrown around, and certainly, <laughs> certainly uh, a lot of positivity about you know having another another ten years of, of elite in some form or another. Well, I got to ask you, what uh, what what hints are you referring to? What what did you hear that you thought, huh? That's interesting that he said that. Anything you want well, to do, or you want to play close to the vest right now? I don't know. I I I, uh, I don't know if I want to go too deep into tinfoil. Uh, territory right now but um i i felt like the way that it, specifically in the conversation about flora and fauna the mm -hmm. way that sort of naturally flowed um he was not at all trying to temper things there um so my mind went towards uh maybe seeing things that that we hope to see sooner than than not so interesting very also interesting. also his statements about gunplay and how he thought we were going to be very pleasantly surprised with how good the gunplay yeah. is that that yeah. leads me to be very excited about what's to come that combined with the article that came out today has me very excited mm -hmm. about the kind of combat we put probably or could be getting 
with Odyssey. Right on. Very cool. All right. And uh, Mattias, did you get a chance to catch the uh, either of the two uh, shows in question? Um, the latter, the latter show I didn't actually catch, but the earliest show, the Super Fandos. Yeah, what's that? Um, yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, it was really interesting to see all the senior content creators on YouTube discuss what they actually think is or isn't part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my thoughts on it um, in particular would be the fact of why why have they used Odyssey? Why have they used the word Odyssey? And <laughs> If the explanation is we can just get out the ship and we can walk around and scan some limited areas that we can explore, then that's that's a bit of a lame explanation, to be honest, in my yep. opinion. Um, Odyssey, it's a, it's a journey, and we all know all the tinfoil in regards to what David Braben and other members of the crew may or may not be interested in, in terms of um, conspiracy theories or alternative history theories. And just think it's really interesting, the words of um, Odyssey. I, I actually completely disagree um, with certain people that say that, well, it's got nothing to do with um, <laughs> the single-player storyline. I actually completely agree that it has got everything to do with the single-player storyline. Um, it makes sense to do that. So yeah, interesting. Very very interesting. All right, I'm I'm interested. There was one thing that 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 Al said that perked up my ears more than any other thing, and I hadn't heard anybody mention it. So I guess we'll just wait and see how it plays off. But I'm super super interested to hear from from those of you that are listening uh, that might have listened to that. What you know? What, what did you? What did you? feel like you heard that that you were like huh okay uh and i'm not giving i'm not giving anything else out on that because uh i probably shouldn't but uh i just i I feel like there was a couple of things that al said that were very very promising all right let's see uh moving on let me tab out here because i was i'm gonna just mention this real quick because i i actually was in the game in between things here while i'm listening to you guys talking i randomly get friends requests from all kinds of people that i don't know and I, i'm just gonna be rejecting those because i have no idea who you are and i always play it open so that seems like probably a bad idea to announce myself like that to everybody but if i know who you are if you're somebody that's like hey man i'm doing this i'm doing that uh please please hit me up and you know sort of say something instead of just randomly getting a friend request from you know abc 47 and i'm like i do not know that person at all Uh, i felt like i did a good enough job changing the subject there all right let's roll into souverines uh so uh commander souverine of lave radio fame and um uh editor emeritus of sagittarius i magazine he was previously the chief editor he is now the editor emeritus who sort of runs things along with mac winston who is the current editor-in-chief at sagittarius i he made a post on the forums today with regard to narrative in the game elite dangerous and he told me about it asked me for for my advice on it and we talked about it a little bit he posted his 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 thread and uh he i i told him why don't you come on the show and we'll do a little pre-record we'll do a little uh interview where we talk about 
the importance of story in Elite Dangerous. So uh, why don't you go ahead and roll that, Arson, and mute the mics. Hello, hello, and welcome to this very special insert of the uh, uh, Galactic Water Cooler here for Elite Week. Today I have uh, coming in uh, Commander Suverine, he of SAG-Eye and Lave Radio fame, who uh, wants to tell us a little bit about a forum post that he just made with regard to lore and narrative in Elite Dangerous. Sue, take it away. Uh, th yeah, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, great to be here. I um, So this is, uh, I was a little bit wary of, of poking my head above the parapet, as always am on the forum, um, because... Um, one, this feels a little bit like a conversation that had, that's been had sort of most of a year ago. Um, and uh, and two, I, I, because I don't use the forum all the time, I'm always slightly wary of saying things that may have been covered extensively by other people. Um, but um, uh, but narrative and elite is something that um, it's a topic that doesn't really go away. And last night I was flying with a couple of friends and uh, one of whom I didn't know very well. And... Um, a nascent friend, shall we say, and uh, and he he was bemoaning the fact that the storylines have just completely stopped. You know, the Guardian, the ongoing Guardian mystery, the Thargoid War, they just totally stopped. And it struck me that this 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 topic isn't going away. And Frontier's communication about Galnet and narrative has has never been. Don't worry, this is just a brief moratorium. It's coming back. Their communication has been, we've got no plans. We've got you know no no plans nothing nothing planned don't get your hopes up it's stopped that's all you need to know so and um, uh, and because it keeps coming up in conversation and because the game continues to be the poorer without it I, I just felt it was worth discussing again um so that was my motivation for it in terms of mm. the the meat of it I people talk about narrative flippantly not you know not intentionally but but I think people do generally talk about it slightly flippantly in terms of um, it being a an all-or-nothing thing that Elite just needs to have back. And it struck me that actually narrative means completely different things to different people. And um, and actually some of the things that narrative could mean are mutually exclusive. Um, and doing them all, keeping everybody happy, would be mm -hmm. impossible. And Frontier have actually played with different, with different means of telling stories over the six years that the game has been released. Um, and... Um, and we've, we've actually seen lots of different permutations of, you know, the broad category of storytelling. So it struck me, it struck me that actually, you know, as a community, we, we are far from clear about what we want. And, mm. you know, the, the community is not a homogenous thing. We're made up of lots of different interests. Um, and, uh, and I really wanted to get a feel for, for what people really mean when they say they want narrative back in the game. Um, and, and, and obviously the problem with the forum is that it, it represents you know, 5% of the total player base. And um, and you've got to be a particular type of player to, to log on to the developers' forums and, and chat about a game you're playing. Um, so, you know, necessarily, it's going to be a sample of only the most dedicated players. Um, and um, But also, I think that from Frontier's point of view, they are slightly caught between if they pursue what they... If they pursue their developers' vision for the game, then they keep a certain segment of the community happy. If they do what the if they do what they perceive the community wants, you know, arguably, then people say like, oh, they they just they just reactive. They don't have their own vision for the game. Um, so I, I feel like a, a way to help Frontier. I, I mean, this sounds really arrogant, and I don't mean it to sound like this, but I'm, I'm aware that it does. But a way to help Frontier make 
decisions for the future of the game might be to very clearly let people like people tell them what they what outcomes they want and what sort of things what sort of aspects of the game that they enjoy and don't enjoy and then let frontier do with that information what they want you know it's very easy for for people to write forum posts saying you know we want this we you know we being i'm speaking for all players whereas i actually, I actually think that it's probably more useful to give everybody a chance to to say what it is that they personally enjoy and then frontier mm -hmm. with that information whatever they want if that makes sense no it makes it, it makes total sense and interestingly enough it's 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 one of those situations where you're going to have people that want a you're going to have people that want b you're going to have want people that want c and and let's say maybe d okay yeah and the one thing that you cannot do the one sin that you cannot commit or you will doom yourself to eternal failure is to try to do a little of all like you 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 can maybe put in a dash of this a sprinkle of this but if you try to do sort of equally in all ways you're going to end up with that's where you know sometimes you see like a car or or, or a product that it, they they say is designed by committee where it's like oh you didn't have the balls to commit to a vision of one thing or another yeah, so, yeah. while you while, while you can absolutely if you say hey look we're, we've decided frontier as a corporation we've decided that we're going to do column b okay then you have to do column b hundred percent you have to do it absolutely right you have to give it an excellent product of of the column b flavor and then you can throw in a little just a little you know a splash of a a dash of b a, a you know c a little you know a little something something but you cannot try to do okay we're gonna have it halfway you know this version and halfway that version that that just never works yeah exactly that i, I think that in the past they've occasionally um, so, so they've innovated in a, well, not innovate is the wrong word, but they've they've mixed up the formula slightly occasionally. So mm -hmm. I've really, really enjoyed when they've offered cosmetics as a um, as a as a partial reward for things. So the um, the Thargoid bobblehead, for mm -hmm. example, um, as a reward for um, for bringing a Thargoid heart and a, and to wherever it was Meta alloys yeah. and yada yada yeah. yeah yeah that kind of thing i think is brilliant and is really interesting you don't want to do it all the time because then it becomes a little bit um it, it it's quite shallow and it, it, it's not the same as narrative but it is definitely a different way to get people to engage with the way you are telling the story and cgs mm -hmm. and and concerted efforts like this should be viewed as narrative you know frontier directing players attentions to a certain area to pursue a certain goal is the tool by which you tell a story. Um, so the, so go on. The, the the story is your cup of coffee. That's your focus. But the 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 the, the bobblehead or the Golconda sticker, that's your little splash of cinnamon in there. That's your little extra <laughs> flavor. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The um uh I think what one thing that has really interested me is that the um I have my own idea of what kind of storytelling I like to see in Elite. And it has interested me that that is not what everybody says they like. Mm -hmm. um and um because i think we always think that whatever we we like must be normal but um uh and it, it always interests me to find out that other people don't have the same ideas um and um i think you know certain things like that a few people have said that they really like the idea of a scripted linear story campaign for example you know i would never think of that for elite dangerous it just wouldn't you know that i, I just think oh no if you're going to spend dev effort like if, you, if you're going to spend man hours doing development on elite please don't do that 
Um, but actually, you know, the, the reasons that they give are, are, are valid. And um, an elite can seem a bit of a big, cold, dark sandbox with not a lot of, you know, there's loads of law behind it. And, and, mm. and I've, I've watched David, David Braben and Michael Brooks sort of talk for several minutes on end about what life is like in the Alliance and what life is like in the, in the, in the Empire. But the, the way that manifests in game is nearly non-existent. You know, you control the codex and the stations are different colours. But apart from that, there's no evidence of that world building that's gone on. So I think that actually, you know, if, if a story camp a single player story campaign would arguably be better than nothing. Um, so, um, uh, so it's not necessarily that I'm pushing a certain agenda. I do have my own vision for what I would like storytelling to look like in Elite. But it's it's more that I, uh, it's more that I'd like. Um, frontier to sort of embrace storytelling as a key part of the universe that they've built rather than sort of demanding my own vision of what that looks like well let's just take a moment and and explore your own vision you say you have a clear idea of of the answer you would like first for someone who's posting a forum thread where you don't really take a side in this you basically you, you basically propose the question to the community hey tell me what you want so now I'm going to flip the script and I'm going to ask you, Souverine, tell me what you, Souverine, want. Okay, well, I wholeheartedly agree with David Braben's attitude to storytelling in video games, which is, you know, saving the princess or saving the world or being the dragonborn is fine in a single player game if you're looking for a power fantasy. Um, Elite Dangerous is... Uh, an MMO in the in um, in the way that it is uh, every player starts in exactly the same way and there is no um, you know if everybody was allowed to re rescue the princess then there'd be so many princesses that the word would lose me <laughs> we you know we can't all be the dragonborn and David Braben is studious in emphasizing that individual players against a galaxy of untold trillions are very very minor actors indeed and I completely sign up to that and I don't think we need a great deal of personal impact in the galaxy to feel like we're making a difference. Um, mm -hmm. It's more, I, I, the kind of storytelling I would like is for Frontier to set up interesting questions, which players then answer through action, and then Frontier accommodate and recognize that action and follow it up with further story beats. And they've done this before. So for example, with Colonia, I don't know how scripted Colonia was. I'm, you know, it, it interests me that they're, um, that they didn't just remove Jack's station from the game, that they actually moved him to a ne nebula, which could mm. be found by players. Um, if, it, if it was me and I really didn't want players to find out, I'd have probably removed it from the game. So the fact that they didn't implies that maybe there was the, they, they were open to the potential of it being found. But the, um, the way that Frontier then wrote story around the discovery of Jack's station, recognize what players had done, and then the continuing narrative of that completely um, sort of it uh, it recognized further player action and endorsed it and then um and then you know what the levers that frontier have to pull are things like adding new stations writing galnet articles you know adding new factions which they did wholeheartedly you know the the, the, the ultimate direction of colonia as as a patchwork of factions wasn't what i wanted for the region but it undoubtedly brought more people into it and it has left a permanent mark on the universe so i, th I think the marks of good storytelling are um are recognizing player action using using uh you know using a value for money attitude to or a value for for effort attitude to evaluating what tools in the developer toolbox they should they should apply you know not everything needs voice acted 
uh, voice acted cutscenes, but you know, adding a, adding another station asset isn't necessarily particularly time consuming. Um, and um, and furthermore, um, making sure that whatever it whatever it is leaves a la- lasting mark on the galaxy. Um, and um, the Interstellar Initiatives were good for this. You know, the the the, whatever, the things that the Interstellar Initiatives um, left were permanent. You know, that there is now a permanent ferry to the Guardian Ruins, for example. Things like that are a nice way to. Um, to give the galaxy a sense of chronology and mm. to um and to give the game a sense of a sense of you know a direction of events um and um so so i i definitely am in favor of the kind of dungeon master approach whereby um whereby frontier sort of set up scenarios observe what players do and then embrace that um so a collaborative storytelling of sorts Kind of, but definitely, I don't think any individual player should have too much agency. I really, I really am not in favour of individual players being able to affect, um, to being able to affect outcomes. I, it leads to this concept of player celebrities, which I think is nonsense. Um, and um, and it also it leads other players or players who aren't plugged into the community. It gives them a sense that it's a bit sewn up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that. Um, you know, there have been a few times in the past when Frontier have set up really interesting scenarios. So, for example, the period um, around the return was done. Um, it wasn't flawless. There were there were there were things that that about the, the unveiling of the Thargoids which feel a little bit clumsy. But in t- in mm. in general, it was not an Independence Day style. Oh my God, we're under attack! It was a okay. Here are aliens. How are you going to interact with them? You know, they're not immediately attacking you. And actually, we've been blowing up their shit and nicking their meta alloys for, for years now. You know, what? What? how is this going to play out? And the, I remember writing editorials with Sagai, really enjoying that question and, and writing about the, the players that were actively hunting the Xeno hunters and and um, interviewing people that were flying with AXI and their justifications for killing, for shooting first, essentially. You know, really interesting scenarios, really toothsome questions. Yeah. Um, and, um, and these the, the the way that the players interact with the game um, around these kind of questions is easily easily measurable. You know, Frontier have have easily passable statistics about how many Thargoids have been attacked that week. You know, it, it, it is not beyond the wit of man to to um, to to formulate story beats as a result of what players do. Um, so what that might look like is um, is for example um, a uh, let's think we. It, it, for, for storytelling to work, you need trade-offs. You need you need things to be at the expense of other things. So, um, so for example, you could have um, you could have a, a scenario where a given a given faction or a, um, a given kind of power um, are hit with a, a natural disaster, and um, and they need uh, and and they, and in a Galnet article, it says you know they, they really need at least X quantity of Y. In order to be um, to be able to do Z, for example, um, and then um, you don't necessarily need to announce that on the forum or in on in any special menu as being a community goal. But players should recognise that if they if they then take that commodity to that station, then the outcome Z will happen. Um, and obviously, you know, other players can get involved and, and pirate those as they as they undoubtedly will. Um, and um, but it can be quite organic. And then at the end of the week, that can be quite easily counted up, and then, then and then the next the next story beat can be can be written around that. Um, and um, and I don't I don't want to make it sound like this is super easy. And I'm aware that there are localization issues, and um, and voice acting particularly is 
um, if you know, as and when it's as and when it's used, is is um, probably adds uh, dimensions of of effort. But um, but that kind of that kind of sort of periodic sequential storytelling, where you've got branching events based on fairly binary decisions that players collectively do, mean that you know over time they give the galaxy a real sense of history and also geography because these places. I, I remember that there's a a system where a friend and I really got stuck into the the CG, and we now we, we always remember that system as as the, as the system where where we had these story where these things happened to us, and where we got stuck into the CG, and we helped to build this station and all that sort of thing. Um, and um, and it gives the it gives the galaxy a sense of time and a sense of place in a way that a static sandbox just doesn't generate on its own. Um, so that is the kind of that's the kind of thing that I would like to see in terms of storytelling. I'm less bothered by um, by voice acted, you know, one off missions from engineers it feels a little bit too much like static quest givers from traditional mmos for my liking um and i'm certainly i certainly don't feel the need for a, a sort of a scripted linear um storyline where you get to save the princess and then everybody gets spat out into the starter zone and we've all saved the same princess you know I, i'm not interested in that kind of thing um so, do, so, um, so to address your 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 choice of when you say the you know the thing about saving the princess Setting aside the fact for a moment that it's the year, you know, 2020, and as the uh, incredibly wonderful and capable and uh, also uh, lovely women of the Expanse demonstrate, there's absolutely nothing to say that the, 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 the princess can't be saving you or, or whatever. But setting that aside for just a moment, the whole... I, I, I did an interview just a couple of days ago with, with uh, Al Hibbert, the product manager for Elite Dangerous, and I told him in that interview, I would much rather be Mal Reynolds than Luke Skywalker. I find the story of the sort of, you know, the guy just trying to get by, that he's not the center of the universe. He's just a, one of a million billion cogs and a billion different little interconnected systems, and he's just trying to get by to be much more personally gratifying sort of looking at it from an adult standpoint i, th I think that the, the 12 year old wants to be luke skywalker and and there's a 12 year old in all of us that still wants to be luke skywalker but the stories of firefly or, or the expanse i think are much more gratifying those those gray areas and those situations where you know look at the expanse everyone has a legitimate reason to tell you why they're the good guy and everyone else is the bad yeah guy. absolutely that yeah that's mature storytelling absolutely yeah I mean, I was, I'm aware that my my preference for the game is not is, is is not you know I'm not ripping up the rule book. The frontier have form in in multiple choice CG mm -hmm. outcomes. Um, I actually just you know I, I I like the way that they've told a lot of stories. I like the fact I like the way they handled the Luke con the conflict. I really like mm -hmm. the way that they handled um, Colonia broadly. Um, yeah, yeah, probably. The um, I really like the way that they handled the Emperor's Dawn thing. Um, I really like the way that they. Um, the way they, the, the way that they've left some questions ambiguous like you know mm -hmm. what are the, what are the um uh what are the the motivations of the thargoids you know how risky is it to plumb for guardian tech you know mm -hmm. i like the fact that they've not they've not made things clear binary choices and they've left things they've left things ambiguous um so really it's just i i would be happy with a return to story driven sequential cgs that have a direction of travel and build up a a sense of a sense of time moving forward and events and events being linked in the galaxy with one asterisk with one huge asterisk and that is while i very much love the golconda event as it played out uh i agree with what you stated in your forum post please 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 do not signpost it do not put a thread 
in the forum saying, oh, yeah, what's yeah. going to happen over the next four weeks of the Golconda? Like, don't, don't do that. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah, totally agree. I, um, I, I, can, I can understand why they did it because they were sort of testing the waters, but I don't think it needed to be done for more than the first one. Um, and actually, for those of us who, for those, for those of us who like to be kept in the dark, it, um, it was, uh, yeah, it uh, ruined it as a big word, but it certainly, it certainly, I'd prefer it if they didn't. And I think you also have to have a weight to some of the choices. You cited as an example, the Thargoid situation of like the Thargoids have returned and you said, you know, okay, well, it was stated that now we're going to see like that their reaction to us is going to be based on what we do. The problem with that equation is we basically, we had the stick, but we had no carrot. We had guns that we can pew pew Thargoids, but I, as far as I know of, we didn't have any dialogue option any there was no point where you came across a, a thargoid distress ship and you had the opportunity to send repair limpets or anything in any way yeah, to, to go on the plus side of 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 detente or communication it was only the only communication device or tool that we had at our disposal was daka 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 yeah yeah it was it was a case of shoot or not shoot and and it was very clearly implied that if we didn't shoot then nothing would happen um and it's not like there aren't tools in the game that we could have you know we, we, there, as you say there are repair limpets you know you can have it so that you can have it so that taking certain commodities to a certain place would benefit the thargoids in some way and be viewed as benevolent by them um we've got scanning tools there's you know there, there's there's science that we could do or interact with that that could have potentially avoided a conflict you could have had a you could have had a weird little box pop up and it says you know your computer says i can't translate exactly what they're asking for but i do at least get enough context to know they're asking for the location of a methane world and then you could just paste a methane world in there and okay that's the beginning of a friendly you know yeah 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 absolutely stuff like that you know they, they, i'm not sure how you do it because they'd obviously have a different classification system to us but um but yeah the it, with creativity, you could do that. I mean, as I mentioned on, on one of the forum responses, there is a risk to that because if you if if somebody spent six months designing how Thargons move and how Thargoids fight, if the players then decide that actually they don't want to fight them, you've wasted you've wasted a load of effort. So I I, I am aware that this kind of multiple choice directed dungeon master type storytelling, you do need to you do need to make sure that you're not being that the, the devs aren't being led in a direction that they haven't planned for. So I think that the the illusion of choice is arguably more important than true choice because we do need to make sure that the devs are being allowed to implement the content that they've planned and also that um and also that they're not wasting effort. Um because it, it shouldn't be up to players to, to to dictate, you know, what new content Frontier deliver. They're the ones who plan their own workflow. They know what they're working on. If they're planning on interact, if they're planning on um, introducing the Thargoids as an antagonist race, then that needs to happen. So, so storytelling needs to be a delicate job of making sure players feel like they're in control, but also mean making sure that you're not letting you're not letting players inadvertently waste your efforts. If that makes sense. It'll be interesting to see what people say that they want because this is one sort of very important thing. In my thread that I posted back in February, a lot of people were saying, well, since the devs won't give us a story, how about you take our community reporting as a story? Or since the devs won't give this, how about you that? Since we can't have this, how about you that? This is different though. I wonder 
you know, if you're in a situation where it's like, no, no, don't don't tell me what you'll take as a third or fourth option, because quite often that is suboptimal. If you just tell me what is it that you actually want, want primarily, I think you're going to get a lot less people. And this is just a conjecture, but I, I think you're going to get a lot less people that are going to be saying, well, you know, I want it to be Sagai reporting or I want it to be a a laundry list of you know this race happened on this day and this thing happened on that day if people get what they want in their heart of hearts I suspect the vast majority will say that they want a crafted narrative to be to be told with as you said with some some little dashes of input here and there but they want they want a mastermind they want a Michael Brooks behind the scenes that is crafting a story that's going to go for that's got legs it's going to go for a while and that's going to have several sort of chapters and whatever yeah absolutely that so you know an, an, an examples of, of future story sort of um crucial points that could be set up the guardian ai are heavily trailed to be out there um they are presumably very powerful we've had numerous references to the hidden caretakers of the galaxy you know players it could be trailed that there is something out there that could lead to knowledge of where the guardian ai is that leads to player activity in a certain area um you then have you then have uh the, that that thing being found and potentially you need there's some other action that needs or some other data that needs to be collected to make sense of that um then you've got a then you've got a direction of travel then you could potentially have a um, an area of search you know players love the, the sensation that they're looking for something um the problem with exploration I mean, I think exploration is very well done in Elite, but it can feel a little bit like you're, um, you're, there's nothing to find. Um, and, um, and being told that actually in this, in this thousand light year square of space or hundred light year square of space, there is X to be found. Get out there and explore. You know, what a brilliant, that would be so much fun going out there and, and scanning using the FSS and, and feeling like there really is something exciting to find. You know, it'd be like sort of, Willy Wong, you know, it'd be like the um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory eating loads of chocolate bars to try and find the one with the golden ticket in it. Um, and, um, and when Frontier have done that in the past, it has led to really exciting flurries of, of exploration activity. Um, so then obviously, you know, you find a thing and it could be it could be a gate uh, that leads somewhere and it needs something, some gubbins to be done to it to, to unlock it, you know, and then, and then that prompts further activity. <laughs> These are all these aren't binary choices. These, these are hurdles that you set up for the player base, and you, and you gauge them so that they'll be able to jump over them. But then once the once you've once you've sort of come into contact with the Guardian AI, there could be a you know the, the trade off could be okay. Well, if we embrace this, there is a cost. There is a cost in terms of we've ceded power to a to a, a more a more powerful ally, or we've um, or we've given up an element of our humanity, or um, or something like that. Um, and uh, and and you know the, the the offset for that or the trade-off for that could be something like but you know the we've got access to far more powerful weapons which we'll finally be able to win the fight with the thargoids with or something like that interesting you know interesting tensions that then players that that, that aren't easy decisions for players or require a little bit of thought um and um yeah, and, and the amount of the amount that we've written over the years in Sagai and talked about on Lave Radio about these sort of toothsome questions that don't have easy answers, they are absolutely brilliant, and they, they cause so much discussion and engagement. Um, so I think that there, I think there are plenty of things just waiting to be explored in Elite's story. Um, it's just a case of it's just a case of FDev carving out the resources to um, to structure some 
some storytelling around it, really. Well, let's hope that they do. Thank you very much for coming in, Souverine. And I want you to end this by looking directly into the camera and give a call to action to those commanders hearing your voice right now. What do you want them to do with regard to this forum threat? <laughs> uh, I am not speaking into a camera. I'm speaking into a microphone, but I'm looking grimly at it. And I implore you, listeners, to, um, one, keep supporting uh, Elite Week and Kaizen's marvelous contributions to the Elite Dangerous community. But two, if you have any spare time left over from enthusiastically doing that, hop onto the uh, Frontier Forum, find my thread, which is called, what the hell is it called? Uh, Elite Narrative, again, sorry. And uh, and give your thoughts. Tell, tell us what, tell us and Frontier exactly what kind of storytelling you would like to see in Elite or you have enjoyed in the past. What didn't you enjoy? What did you enjoy? What made you feel engaged? What made you interested to log in again? Um, it, it's fascinating for me, and hopefully it's interesting for Frontier. Um, and um, and the more we more we talk about it, the less unlikely it is that it might actually happen. Mm. And since you're not thinking to promote it, I will. Also, tune in on Tuesdays and listen to my friend on Lave Radio, where uh, you can hear his thoughts along with three other people that should let him speak more often. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Suf. It's been great. Thanks, guy. Catch you later. Ciao. All right. Well, all right. Let's start with the top. Arson, what did you think of that little talk? I thought it was fantastic. I think it's uh, really great points, and I love the question. Um, and I'm just going to kind of go uh, point by point some of my thoughts by it. I'm going to run through them as quick as I can. But on the signposting, I completely agree. Don't don't post stuff. We don't need to play by play play by play before it even happens. Uh, I like having a reason to check the in-game interfaces for news or CGs or Galnet articles. Mm. Um. <clears throat> um for the CG tech rewards, I feel that this is tied with the narrative. For example, we had the uh, corrosive cargo racks. That CG only passed one tier, so we only have mm -hmm. like class two or class one cor corrosive cargo racks or something like that. Um, class two. We've got class one and two. One carries two tons, two carries four tons. Uh, yes, but it, it, it kind of sucks. It would be great if yeah. we had more. Oh, yeah. My my thought is, if you have new technology that you're introducing because of a narrative and a CG thing, if the CG fails, it doesn't complete to its absolute maximum completion, treat those pieces of technology as if they were rare commodities, only able to be purchased in the one place. But if the CG just skyrockets and it passes completion make it available at the tech brokers or just available to the public in general instead of being locked to that one location um i feel like that would be a lot better way to take the point that uh Suv made about not wasting developer time if you make a huge weapon for part of a tech cg but we don't unlock it through that cg you should still give it to us don't waste that effort uh just well, at that point, groups. yeah, at that point, though, they have to do something because you can't give it for free. I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's like you can't also make it to where, well, everybody's a winner. You have to do something. But yeah. All right. Uh, Roy, or would, did you have a, something else? 
Um, just just that for the narrative thing, for those of us that like the fanfic, give us a technology section in the codex with an official timeline for actual technology's progression in the Elite Universe. Yeah, That's that really sounds very it. cool. All right, Roy, your thoughts? Uh, so the thing that really resonated with me was was uh, when Suvereen mentioned, you know, people like to think there's something to be found mm-hmm. when they're exploring. And um, I would love to see more of the things where, like at, you know, Dav's Hope or at the Generation Ships where you get the snippets of uh, recordings and it sort of plays out a little little story. And it's, it's very much like... Uh, like I'm also a big fan of the Fallout series, and and the thing I love about those is each little location you go into, there's like a little drama that's played out in the past, and you get to experience it through letters and and hacking into you know computer panels, and um, and it doesn't have to be the big story arc. Um, it's the kind of thing that just fills in the gaps and um, increases immersion. So I'd I'd love to see a lot more of that. Right on. Uh, why don't we mix it up? Uh, Mattias, your thoughts? Um, yeah, oh, oh, okay, I, I kind of agree with what, what a lot of what I was saying, but, um, how do I put this? I think, I think Elite, um, I think Frontier Development should have a little bit of a balls with the direction of the storyline, so I think they should choose a storyline and make some more difficult choices so make players more uncomfortable within the universe that surrounds them i one day just wake up and the bubble's completely gone fleet carrier's completely gone the station that they're in is completely completely wiped out you got you maybe you've got like five minutes to get out of the station and then you escape burly with your life make it more dangerous but in a different way make make the fargoids more dangerous make some other aspects of the game more dangerous not just focus on um whether players are happy or they're not happy just go with a storyline and then people will follow it's not just about the community in large it's about what they decide to write a storyline and if they write a good storyline then people will follow it if they don't then people will criticize it but just just have a bit of a have, have some balls to write a write a gritty storyline akin to maybe 40k all right tweaked well, a couple things there. Kind of piggyback off of Roy. I am one of the ones, I, I think I said last week, I can't get myself to go to explore. And the reason for that is I don't feel like there's anything out there to find except for a lot of beautiful sites, which that's something in itself I understand. Mm-hmm. But if if I even got a tip from a stranger that if I went and it, it ballooned into a string of story or something, that would even be very cool. There's yeah. a bunch of different ways that they, they that FDEV could bring story in in that regard. I totally agree. Don't post a forum with a big flashing green neon sign saying story come in, go to this system on this date. Don't do that. Don't do that. Let us let us naturally discover it kind of through a story in the game, you know, whether that be a tip off from a stranger or if you know a random i know we don't get any galnet anymore but we did get one when the fleet carriers popped maybe we get a random one at some other point in time uh, that kind of thing could totally work uh, as far as burning the bubble i've heard this a few times throughout the you know the last year or so and i do totally agree 
that something that something like that would be totally interesting. The one downside to that, I think, is somebody like myself, whom has worked very hard to build a little bubble for my PMF, to have that get flushed right down the toilet would be very frustrating for me. That being said, even not Thargoid related, and I think I said this in the Discord earlier, I even think that if they introduced a new alien race that came and attacked us, that you know, actually came to us. We didn't have, you know, like right now we have to go search for the Thargoids to fight them. We got to go out to the Pallades sector and find them. We, they're, they're not a threat at all, really. You can totally ignore that. If I'm just flying in my home system or I'm, I'm flying in Shinny or wherever in the bubble and there's these new baddies that come in and start attacking us, but we don't need special ships. We don't have to go to the Guardian sites and get those. So in the community right now in my experience engineering getting people to engineer their ships fully is one thing that can be a fight a lot of people don't want to go through that grind like that getting the guardian stuff done is a whole nother thing that people don't want to do all the time or haven't done already but most everybody does have some form of a combat ship so if we had new baddies that came in that would bring the whole community together. They, you know, everybody would be up there trying to save everything. That would make it very interesting. But I do not want them to burn the bubble and all of a sudden all the systems that I've worked hard to get my PMF into are gone and all that work is just gone. I don't want to see that kind of thing happen. Right on. All right. Lots of thoughts on that. Uh, that's going to be definitely our community question for today. That's that's going to definitely be it, um, and we'll get to that later. So next up, we've got Wanderers, and that's a video by uh, Eric Rinkrist, and it is this amazing video that he did that has uh, some, some Carl Sagan sort of uh, voiceover narration. You're seeing it on the screen now. It's this amazing video and it's set it's obviously cg but it's set using all locations in our solar system so it's like man what if in the you know the future you've got this kind of a, a ship that can go to this planet uh you've got this kind of thing set up here this kind of a base you've got people in these kind of suits doing this kind of exploration in this kind of area you've got people that are you know, in, in like jumpsuits doing stuff. You've got people that are like base diving off of a cliff. You've got people that have this weird sort of like almost like a bird kind of a hang glider type setup or whatever, you know, and they're able to do that because they're in a, in a planet that has a greatly reduced gravity. And so, you know, in that particular setup, you're seeing, People basically, you know, in kind of a Leonardo da Vinci looking bird suit flying around that right there. You've got a space elevator that's coming down from orbit, going down planet side. I mean, there's just so much cool, cool stuff. And the the, the way that the uh, the narration goes with it and the like, look, you see those sort of Mars dirigibles and whatnot. Like, this is crazy, crazy shit. This video, if you're an Elite Dangerous player, this little, whatever, eight-minute, ten-minute video will get you so psyched. And some of the stuff on here would be cool things to see on, you know, light gravity. How many planets do we see that the, it's 0 0.01 or point, you know, one 
or 0.05, like it's super, super light gravity. There's some neat shit that we could see uh, in, 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 in this. And uh, I'm not saying this is stuff that's going to come in Odyssey. This is crazy, you know, deep conceptual stuff, but it'd be cool to see this kind of stuff someday. Uh, let's start with uh, Mattias. You're seeing the video right now on the screen. Tell me some of your thoughts about this, this crazy, crazy cool. And have you seen this before? Um, I actually cannot see the video. Just bear uh, with me one second. Right, okay, I haven't actually seen this video. Um, in terms of the... Um, sorry, I'm eating Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of the ice worlds and the possibilities for that, the possibilities are amazing. So we've got glaciers and we've got the, the possibility to explore within those glaciers and caves and all the new things that are coming in the game um yeah I, you've caught me on an off chance i do apologize. Uh, no worries no worries just the whole concept though i know you have a wanderer spirit you and your pringles will be getting out there doing some weird funky shit in all kinds of cool places arson what are your thoughts on this <laughs> I I want some of the Pringles. Um, okay, but uh, I I think it's it's beautiful. The narration. You have a Pringle. <laughs> the, the narration is, it's it's. I don't have words for the narration. It's just fantastic. Oh, all of Carl Sagan's stuff is you know billions and billions of stars. It's just it's so iconic. Yeah. All right, beautiful. Uh, Tweaked. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely gorgeous video. Really, really spurs the imagination. And and you're absolutely right. It would be very cool to see some of that stuff in Odyssey somewhere down the line. Beautiful. Roy? I, I think what, uh, what this inspires is just uh, the kind of joy you're going to have in seeing some of the things in Odyssey that have a similar leap in mm -hmm. the level of detail, the level of rendering. Um, when we uh, eventually hopefully get like, who knows, weather, if, if this keeps marching towards different types of planets and so forth, many of those vistas in this video um, can be made with that kind of that kind of backdrop. So uh, in, in the same way that we explore to look at uh, beautiful, you know, stars and planets and eclipses and black holes, I'm, I'm just excited for the kind of vistas we're going to see in Odyssey and, and beyond. And this kind of this kind of video just isn't inspiring about that absolutely all right so keeping it moving here the next up we've got frontier news there's a lot of frontier news today so let's start at the top right now elite is on sale for 75 percent off on steam until august 31st so if you want to get a second account for cheap you want to get an account for your girlfriend you want to get an account for your brother-in-law right now get it for 75 percent off can't beat that uh also 30% off on select products and the elusive iridescent paint jobs are available now until the 1st of September on the ARC store. 30% uh, off on stuff is cool. If you're going to buy it, I always say get it cheap. And the iridescent paint jobs, let me tell you something. There's a lot of ships where, now me personally, I'm the biggest fan of the Black Friday you know, paint job. And that's coming up in November, so save some marks. Be ready for it, but the iridescent paint jobs are crazy sexy for a lot of ships. These are the ones that are that purplish or bluish or whatever, but it's got that glimmer. 
and the other one is the one that's like gold but better than the gold because it's like with a crazy glimmer um ridiculously ridiculously hot um next up we've got the 300th newsletter was issued just today now the newsletter is a thing that they send out every like two weeks and it gives you some information and that's cool but they also give free shit out with the newsletter a lot sometimes here and there and this week is one of the weeks you can go sign up for the newsletter right now on the frontier website and if you do they're going to send you that newsletter 300 and when they do they're also going to send you a code for that free paint job that you can see on the screen right now on the ask explorer and that code is the um glint paint job for the asp explorer you get a free paint job there's also a competition going on where 30 commanders will win a free 5,000 arcs and one commander will win an elite dangerous themed stream deck and i happen to be looking at one right here and i can tell you it is a very very sharp themed stream deck so if you want to have a cool button box that you can have programmable buttons with all kinds of stuff and it is got a elite logo on it uh and it looks like a little like elite um dangerous uh one of those little like pads on your little on your console there you can win that thing cool as shit contest is going on till i think that one goes on till like september 14th so go sign up for the newsletter right now for free cost you nothing they'll mail you every two weeks here's some stuff here's some information here's stuff for free here's just like we thought you might want to know this that and every once in a while oh by the way here's a code for a free thing cost you nothing i i think you're dumb if you don't sign up for this go sign up for this get it now if you if you don't you're gonna miss it uh there's gonna be no live stream on monday because monday august 31st is a bank holiday in the uk so there will be no live stream on monday wccf did an interview with luke betterton and chris gregory and the link is in the show notes it is a very well sourced uh interview they have exactly the name of the question uh, the, the guy giving the question and the guy giving the answer and there are specific quotes for each these are very very interesting with lots of i feel a hopeful information and b interesting little hints of what is to come so we're going to pause right here because we're about halfway through the frontier news uh, i don't want to do like 50 things and then say okay your thoughts but so we'll pause here and start with Roy. Your thoughts on the newsletter, the the you know the the sale, the sale on art stuff, the contest, the free shit, and the article. Uh, I think you hit uh, the high points. I'm definitely uh, signed up for the newsletter and looking forward to that paint job. So always happy to get more more bling for the ship. Absolutely, and when it's free, yep. you'd be dumb not to. Arson, what do you think? I think it's awesome. I actually signed up both my alt accounts for a copy of the newsletter. <laughs> okay, if you want the paint job, sure, why not? Uh, uh, tweaked. Yeah, you can't beat a free paint job, that's for sure. And that iridescent paint job, I have that on my Cobra right now, and the darker colored one looks great on like a Corvette or a bigger ship like that, I think. That article 
today was very intriguing talking right? about technological thing you know settlements that are technological and doing things and and how do they phrase it the faces that you've seen up to now on your menus that you're now going to see NPCs walking around doing things and and uh, again the way they describe the gunplay how you can go in guns a blazing if you're strong enough or you can go in and try to do it your own way and if you're walking out in the middle of a desert by yourself you might want to be able to arm yourself and protect yourself it sounds like they're going to let you decide what kind of a FPS player you want to be in I was hoping I was hoping that they would make it so I didn't have to join an army and I could be a gunslinger aka Mel Reynolds or Han Solo cuz when I was 12 years old I didn't want to be Luke Skywalker I wanted to be Han Solo right from the first time I saw a New Hope I Han Solo was my thing so I've always wanted to be that gunslinger so right. I think they're going to allow that to happen in Odyssey very exciting article I everybody should go read that And did you catch in that article when they were like hey tell us about the new kinds of ships or new kinds of SRVs or whatever we're getting. And literally, uh, uh, he said, Luke Betterton was like, oh, I can't give you details just yet, but there's yep. going to be yep. lots of new ways to get around, which to me, I'm like, oh, SRV variants, bring it on, baby. Yeah, and definitely I'm a lot of great things in that article. And I'm totally shocked that as much as all of you guys have given me shit this week, all week, about this stream deck that you guys have the chance to win one yourself now and nobody pointed that out as oh yeah i'm getting in on that shit <laughs> all right Mattias. um the the possibility for a new concept uh, the possibility for new um skins etc yeah that's great go for it um i'll only ever be having a white with maybe a little bit of red on my my paint job so mm -hmm. that's that but um yeah in terms of ground pounding etc I, I love it i'm a massive fan of milsim games so um i'll be signing up to whatever community um to use lsws preferably um i'll enjoy that a lot beautiful beautiful all right so let's move on to the back half here uh we have we did the interview already we've got the new projects announced so gamescom is going on right now and they announced several new projects one of which was that thing that they've been tweeting about all week it's a weird funky little cartoony graphic game for the nintendo that is called struggle and it's this weird little sludge creature that's got like eyeballs and he's got basically like two limbs and he's kind of elasticy and it looks like a cool little like puzzly platformer type game where you're actually sort of like going around and using like trying to manipulate different things and using the sticky squidgy sort of gravity defying uh aspects of your character to solve the puzzles in this platform and at, at certain points there's like multiplayer aspects where you can do things where like you know one player is going over here to hit a button while another player opens the door and yada it's it's a whole thing looks super interesting um then in addition to that they announced they're doing a port uh for nintendo of the was it planet zoo or jurassic I, it was one of the, the jurassic the, the park jurassic yeah. Yes, yes, you're right, because it had the dinosaurs. Uh, 
and that looked super cool um this so the first project that i mentioned that struggle game is actually out of frontier foundry so it's like they're not they didn't develop it they're the publisher of it that someone else developed uh and they help you know bring it to market as a publisher and and uh will is actually working on that i still think he's going to be doing stuff with warhammer as well but uh he he is is working on that we hear um and 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 the other project which is again through that frontier foundry where they're the publisher helping people bring their games to market is this very weird neat looking fps game that is part tactical fps game part strategy real-time strategy game and it's this weird thing where like it's an fps but you're playing the game in like 29 second or 30 second game loops and like after the end of that 30 seconds you kind of groundhog day back to where you started but you're trying to affect the the past and the future and you're in a competition with another it's it's very inception it's trippy as all fuck it looks super super cool the graphics look super sexy the gameplay seems to be very very sort of thoughtful it's a cross of it seems like a cross of uh uh you know call of duty or halo with you know chess it, it seems crazy crazy complex um so yeah that looks cool um let me get everybody's thoughts on that let's start with roy I like the the idea of that time loop game. I mean, it's sort of like um, uh, super hot, you know. Have have a new dimension in the in the gameplay that people hadn't thought of before. That uh, mm-hmm. it just gives a new way to play it. So I'll be checking that one out. Right on, Arson. I, I was very interested by the time loop game as well. I'm curious about uh, whether or not Frontier producing it means that the engine. I don't know. That's that's tenfold hat stuff. But I digress. Um, just curiosities and shooter mechanics. Um, the okay. thing that I latched on the most, though, uh, was the port of Jurassic World to the Switch. Which, for those that don't know, Jurassic World being a Frontier game is programmed in the Cobra engine that Elite is in. So that means that the Elite engine is now working on yet another very popular console and mm-hmm. i am excited about that very cool tweet yeah the time loop game looks kind of interesting i, I might check that one out struggle it, it looks like it could be well done and everything definitely not my cup of tea but i always want frontier to succeed any of any success they have bodes well for elite dangerous in my opinion uh as far as those games though i mean i'll be honest 99 percent of my game time is elite dangerous i almost never play anything but so oh yeah i i 100 agree i'm not playing i'm playing elite uh but I, I absolutely i think you could not look at it a better way than what you're saying is hey that's cool and if that's your cup of tea go play that and i hope that they do really well with that and make tons of money because that puts them in a better position to give me more of what i want which is better development into elite so yeah right on Marius. um yeah the the possibility that after ever making other games and broadening the horizons making themselves bigger that's that's a good thing and it makes the game the core game at least better for everything else like i've said to other people before um planet coaster um and jurassic jurassic world um 
planet so um they all add eventually or possibly to elite dangerous so the experience that people do within other parts of the company that that could bleed on into elite dangerous um i'm not actually familiar with both of the games that you've actually mentioned so that i've seen i've seen the pictures on on um the uh, the twitter um yeah okay it looks a bit like super meat boy not my thing but yeah if you if it's your thing then fair enough and then yeah. the inception type type game yeah whatever but um, i've not really experienced that but if that's your thing then great but if it if it benefits frontier um then yeah i'm all for that absolutely all right so now that brings us to the next thing which is the streams for the week now this week they did a stream on Monday, which was the Super Cruise News in number three, issue episode number three, and it was Stephen and Paul Crowther. And then on Thursday, they did the stargazing uh, tour with the SPVFA. Specifically, they had, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the other gentleman, uh, but he seemed very cool. But they had Orange Phoenix and another gentleman from SPVFA that were sort of showing Stephen how to do photograph compositions and and like how to do high level spvfa style photography how they set up their shots and different things that they do and whatnot i had some thoughts on on the stream so i want to hit them up real real quick uh with regard to the super cruise news uh number one they did it on the new channel which was you know the elite dangerous channel that's that's where all the stuff is going to be from now on number two there were a lot of people that were sort of heckling and hassling Steven with regard to his proficiency in the game for any little thing that he did. And I, I want to point out a couple of things. Number one, I don't care how good you are uh, at playing the game. You try playing the game while you're reading chat, while you're having to be a professional PR person. Like, it's not like me. I can read the chat and look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's dumb. Fuck off he has to be like mind your p's and q's and don't do anything you know whatever and hold back your feelings when somebody asks you the same stupid question for the 15th time and you want to tell him to fuck off he's got to be like mr on he's mr corporate he's mr whatever and in addition to that i'm just gonna say it okay he's not the best at the game so what all right we play this game for 60 hours a week because we're crazy and we love the game and we're we're just just all in okay he is a guy whose job is to handle the community deal with issues get ready for like promotional stuff that's going on deal with content creators who can get cranky at times i was an asshole last week i got cranky over a dumb thing and he, you know he had to deal with that he has to deal with information coming from the devs. Oh, there's a setback on this. Oh, we got extra on that. And that's super exciting. Uh, but you're, that means you're going to have to drop, scrap the, the program of what you had and do the whole new thing because we've got this awesome thing that we can do. And he's juggling all of it. He's juggling forums. He's juggling whatever. And that man, whether whether you want to you know, pick at the pack that you know he's not as good at landing or bounty hunting or, or scanning planets or whatever, that man is fighting for you as a player in this game. He is representing your interest to the company, and that's what he has to be good at. As far as 
you know, is he the best at PvP or is he the best at this or is he the best Bucky Baller or is he the best SRV, you know, whatever. I think look at what he's trying to do and look at what the team is trying to do to bring us right now. And 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 they're basically on a lot of situations, like I said in the live stream uh, or, or that they did last week, I said this on the Super Friendos, he's trying to juggle hand grenades and he's out there on his own and it's they're at home. They're not in the setup where they normally would be where he's in the studio and he's got, you know, two or three other team members and, and, and a dev or two within three feet of him that can like whisper or give him a signal or point to a thing or whatever. He's doing the best that he can. And I think people need to give him some slack and, and get off that real petty shit of every time there's the slightest mistake, just getting on it, but whatever. Um, now with regard to, uh, uh, let's see, there was a whole question about, uh, the bubble for Colonia. What is this? Uh, I can't even read my writing there with regard to that. So I'm going to leave that, that issue. Uh, he was talking about one of the, he, again, he said one of the new ranks. He didn't say the new rank exobiologist. He said one of the new ranks exobiologists. We are getting at least two new ranks, if not three. My money, again, for the record, is on soldier, which would be FPS pew pew as a rank, and or exogeologist. I think those are coming. Um He was asked the question, are you going to need Horizons to play Odyssey? And he didn't answer. Now, the fact that he didn't answer, I find super, super interesting because I can tell you the way it's set up right now, absolutely you would need Horizons to play Odyssey because Odyssey is all doing stuff planet side so far from the stuff that we've seen. And Horizons, you need to even land on any planet, atmospheric or non-atmospheric. Now, I think that Odyssey, you know, Horizons is good, has, if you have Horizons, you have on your ship a, a type one module that says atmospheric approach module. I think that if you have horizons, you're going to have that still. If you have odyssey, you're going to have a type two or, or, you know, a one, a, a 1A or a generation two, or I don't know, some variation of that, which is going to be an atmospheric approach module. The answer to that question as it stands now, are you going to need Horizons to play Odyssey, is 100% absolutely guaranteed, yes, you would. Because you can't do shit planet side if you can't land on the planet. The only reason why he would not be able to give an answer there, as far as I'm concerned, is if Horizons is about to get rolled into the general game come, come Odyssey release, as we've speculated that it will be, uh, previously on this on this show and also on the Super Friendos, in which case that sort of do I need to buy Horizons? That answer turns into a no because Horizons is part of base game come Odyssey drop. That's a theory. That's the only thing I can think of why he wouldn't be able to answer that. Either that or they haven't decided, but they're trying to think about how they're going to play that out. Super interesting. And then my super cheeky uh thing about you know somebody asked I, I i did a thing on on my conversation with al uh this was originally a concept that was uh, thought up by psyche uh and she 
uh, put it in one of her videos. I really liked it, became a convert, and I've been spreading it around. Are you going to unlock the Earth's moon so that we can have the real Neil Armstrong moment, i.e. standing on our moon, staring up at our Earth floating in the night sky, our, our, our planet of birth up in the sky above us? And he was grinning like a cat and said, cannot confirm and change the subject. It was super, super, super suspect. It was super, super shady. Uh, who knows? I could be wrong. It's a crazy, crazy little theory. But man, you go look at that video. You look at that Super Cruise News episode three and you tell me that you didn't see something there. Um all right, guys, your thoughts on all of this, starting with Tweaked. Yeah, I would mirror your thoughts with, let's, as a community, try to be a little more respectful to Steven. He is working hard to try to get things that we are wanting to the mm. devs. And let's be honest, uh, Elite Dangerous is his day job right now. That's, that, that's what he does for a living. So I'm willing to bet when he goes home and cracks open a cold one and sits back to relax, he may not fire up Elite Dangerous like we do. When I relax, I want to turn on my game and dive into this universe and disappear for a few hours. I'm willing to bet he does something totally different to get his mind right. Yeah, he might play the guitar or hang out or play board games or play an entirely different video game just to blow off steam. But the fact of the Absolutely. matter is, the main thing to keep in mind is this. He could do, you know, he's everybody's working from home right now. He's at home. This guy could be playing 15 hours of Elite Dangerous a day and getting really, really good and neglecting the fuck out of the community. Is that what right. you want him to do? I don't think so. All right. Um, uh, Arson, your thoughts? I, I, I just got to throw this in there. On top of everything that, that you listed out there, Kai, he's also his own stream tech. <laughs> Yeah, and I can yep. tell you from experience that it's not uh, it's it's not something that you can do lightly. It takes a lot of focus in just trying to make sure that I'm ready to queue stuff. I've smacked into a whole bunch of asteroids just flying around here. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's it's not easy. Um, 100%. Would I like super badass streamers on FD's team? Sure, but it's not realistic. <laughs> All right, Roy. Uh, just one small thing. I, I, you know, you you mentioned the comment about standing on the moon, and uh, you know, when when you were talking to Al about that, he he basically agreed that it had to be Neil Armstrong his you know first boots on the moon. Yeah, and that, that was that was very comforting to hear him say that. Yeah, I I, uh, I I took comfort in that, and also that was to me a tip that like that's a pretty good theory. Hmm. Mattias, what do you think? Um, yeah, um, the thing with the moon is um, we should probably be expecting a massive base on the moon if there is in fact something coming that will allow us to be there um, and with that, with space legs etc we should be able to sort of in, um, walk around the Neil Armstrong site uh, the, the Apollo landing site as a museum and explore that um, in terms of Stephen Benedetti, um, I really like the guy. I think he's brilliant. And over and over again, and I, I sit and watch in the past, I've watched elite um, elite live streams, and they just constantly get 
trouble. They constantly get criticism and mm-hmm. the game's dead, etc., etc. And I kind of feel sorry for them because these he's only he does it as a job, so he can't he can't actually say particular <laughs> things or he can't actually do particular things. So I, I feel sorry for the dude because he seems like a really nice guy, and that's all really I've got to add on that. Absolutely. And All he's right. a really good community manager on top of it, I think. So, I mean, well, he's yeah. doing he's he's absolutely doing a lot right now for for you know for us in the background. And I hope that absolutely. people I hope that people will will give that the credit that it deserves. The Thursday stream was nothing super super big. It was just you know they had the uh, you know they had the SPVFA. They did the whole thing where they were you know teaching Stephen how to do photography stuff and it was you know it was a good little stream they had a couple tech issues they had whatever but you know as we've said this is the world we're all living with right now people are you know community managers are not the camera guys they're not the tech guys they're the guys that are supposed to manage communities and yet they're doing the best they can with what they have and whatever so moving on past that we've got roy stories Roy, why don't you cue us up on this? Yeah, so uh, we've been featuring uh, Commander Sakashiro, and uh, before we dive into this, I just wanted to mention that we've been getting uh, more folks uh, putting their hand up and saying, hey, could you feature some of my stuff? So we're going to be looking at those and uh, working those in. I think the plan is to, um, you know, not exhaustively read everybody's whole series, but to give a a feature and a flavor and give people a taste of it so that they could perhaps be enticed to go go check out those stories and finish them on their own Hmm. Um, and so roy is the guy that's in charge of that he is who you direct your inquiries to and he'll be looking into how much more we're going to do of yuna and then when we wrap up the yuna arc then you know who's going next and how long we're going to do of that so for sure write in and message to him did you have anything else, Roy, that you wanted to add before we uh, queued it up? Nope, let's go ahead. Let's jump into it. Beautiful. Welcome back to our reading of Inara author Commander Sakashiro's story, Unbound. We pick up the story in part three, The Customer. Good afternoon, Mr. Owens. Owens looked up from the paperwork on his desk. Sakashiro was leaning over the counter, resting her head on her elbows. Next to her, he saw her backpack and the small respirator that helped her cope with the moon's not-yet-quite-terraformed atmosphere. "'Hello, Mrs. Sakashiro,' he said and smiled. "'I've heard the good news already. Congratulations on acquiring your pilot's license.' "'Thank you, Mr. Owens,' she said politely. "'But who told you?' "'Your friend Valberg was here this morning and spilled the beans. He said you passed your evaluation yesterday.' I hope you've recovered from last night's party. Valberg sure looked a bit tired. Sakashiro laughed. I got up late, but now I'm fine. That's good to hear, said Owens, because today is quite busy. There's an anaconda parked on pad six. Customer wants shield boosters and a mining later installed. I'll get started right away, said Sakashiro and picked up her belongings from the countertop. On her way to the locker room, she spotted a man sitting in the lounge behind the large glass door on the other side of the reception area. She could see the back of his bald head, which appeared to be decorated with some sort of tattoo. When customers waited on the premises, it usually meant they were in a hurry and had no time to pay a visit 
to Coral City's large and somewhat famous entertainment district, which happened to be only a short walking distance away from Owen's shipyard. Sakashiro entered the small room near the end of the corridor and closed the door behind her. She pulled a smart pad out of her pocket and dropped it next to the backpack and the respirator on the bench in the center of the room. Turning around, she opened a locker that had a handwritten tag with her name on it. Inside, there was a dark gray utility jumpsuit bearing the fancy orange logo of Owen's shipyard on the back and a smaller version of that same logo on the chest. Sakashiro changed into the jumpsuit and stored her jeans and shirt in the locker along with her backpack. She put the strap of the respirator around her neck, slipped the smart pad into the jumpsuit's pocket, and left the room. Back in the reception area, she noticed that the lounge was now empty. "'If you need help with that laser, call me,' said Owens when she passed the counter. "'It's a Class A device. Very expensive. We can't afford to scratch it.' "'I'll be extra careful,' she promised with a serious look on her face." Number six was one of the largest landing pads of the shipyard, and the Andaconda needed every bit of it. Sakashiro gazed up at its hull while she walked between the hydraulic legs of the ship's massive landing gear. She pressed a button on the wall at the other end of the landing pad, and a large coiling door began to roll up. The room behind it was filled with various pieces of hardware, large and small, for internal use or installation on retractable hardpoints. Some of the devices in the room were so large that each of them could probably occupy the space of a small landing pad all by itself. Sakashiro used her smart pad's camera to locate the items that were meant for the anaconda outside. While she was reading the information on the touchscreen, she suddenly felt a hand on her shoulder. She screamed in surprise, turned around, stepped back, and almost lost her balance. Her smart pad dropped to the floor. Her eyes opened wide and stared at the man in front of her. He was very tall, much taller than her and built like a tank. His head was bald and tattooed. Sakashiro recognized him as the man she had seen in the customer lounge a few minutes earlier. She had no idea how he had managed to sneak into the hardware room without her noticing. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be in here! She yelled at him. The man moved closer, bent down, picked up the smart pad, and held it up in front of her face. I think you lost something. She grabbed the pad from his hand, but he wouldn't let it go. Why so nervous, Yuna-chan, he said. The words made her blood freeze. She had heard them before. She moved backwards, shaking her head in disbelief. She wanted to scream, but her breathless whimper was almost inaudible. No! That's a hell of a place to stop that story. Uh, I guarantee you we'll be doing next week still Yuna, because you can't end it there, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, good stuff, and I look forward to hearing more of the Yuna story and from the other commanders that have written in. Uh, yeah, so that was really, really great stuff. And Yuna is in the chat right now, and I just want to point out uh, that she said, great voice acting. That is done by Roy and his, I think, teenage daughter. He's got a little girl, and yep. that's that's yep. Roy and his daughter doing acting those out. So that's You yeah, guys that's... need to call Audible and get some side jobs going. You guys are pretty Hells. good at that. <laughs> Hells yes. All right. So uh, stay tuned for part four of the Yuna story next week. And I, I want to know what's the deal with that dude. Uh, I have a feeling he's one of them the bad guys from before. Well, I don't know. Well, we'll get to it later. All right. Um, next up, we're going to go. We're cutting some segments out because we are running way late. We're going to go with the Alec Turner. Uh, this was a short pre-record that I did with Alec earlier today about the upcoming race. So play it. Parson.
Hello and welcome to another insert for Elite Week. This one with my man Alec Turner of the Buckyball Race Club, who's here to tell you about a little event that's kicking off soon called Real Men Racing Later Hosen. Alec, welcome to the show. Hey, Kai, good to be back again. Beautiful, beautiful. So tell me about this event, Alec. Okay, so this is the last in our recent set of four races. I think there's um, nothing on the calendar after this one. We'll probably all do with the break anyway. Um, this one is fun. This is this is unique. I don't think anyone's come up with this idea before. So this race is uh, Real Men Race in Lederhosen by Ashnak. And um, it starts tomorrow, actually, Saturday, and does its usual thing of running for a week until midnight next Sunday. Um, the principle of this one is really interesting. So what you have to do, um, Bavaraga, the system of Bavaraga has run out of beer. <laughs> and so we, we have to supply them with Conga Ale, Gerasian Goose Beer, Wathulio Co Froth, HR7221 Wheat, mm. Kajiglian Filter Leeches, Christ knows what those have got to do with For beer. filtering. Oh yeah, of course, of course, good one. And of course, some buckyball beer mats from Rebuy Prospects. Absolutely. Um, so you've got to zip round and get, I think, one ton of each of those and bring them back to Bavaria. But the twist is this: you have to work out what time you think you can do it in. So let's mm. let's suppose I reckon I can do that in forty-seven minutes. What you have to do is set off forty-seven minutes before the hour. So. I reckon I can do it in 47 minutes. I'm going to set off at 13 minutes past the hour. If I make it and I get back to Bavaria with all those supplies before the hour, then I get a time of 47 minutes. So it's the time from when you set off to the next whole hour. Okay. Mm -hmm. If I go bust, if I go over the top, if it takes me 48 minutes, then um, I get an hour and I'm trying to do the sums now, I get an hour and 47. So basically the knack of this race is, is cutting it fine so working out almost to the second what you think your best run can be and then and then hitting that on the mark really interesting stuff i love that aspect of your your bidding against yourself so you can even you know you can do great but if you're if it's one of those what is it like from top gun your your ego is writing checks that your body can't cash <laughs> yeah it's it's exactly that the tagline i like the tagline that ashnak's come up with this for this it's are you really as good as you think you are and and that is that is key i, I dig that i yeah, very yeah. much dig that yeah ashnak has been doing work with the uh he's been doing some serious work with turning the wheel so uh I'm, I'm a big fan of ashnek and big fan of this the whole concept of this race because there's multiple layers of sort of skill and also gamesmanship of really putting a fine point on it if you're overly aggressive you're gonna get screwed if you're overly conservative you're gonna get screwed you have to find that sweet spot yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also interesting. You, you've spoken about this a lot with buckyball races. That it's it, it's kind of about beating yourself first, mm -hmm. your, your previous best time. And and it, I imagine with this race, it will be very easy to see the the top time on the leaderboard. Let's suppose Shay Blackwood comes in and he does it in forty one minutes. Mm. It, it, I expect it'll be very tempting to 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 set off at nineteen minutes past and just try and beat that. But mm -hmm. if you're not up to it, you have to. I think you have to recognize your own. Not weaknesses, but you know, you have to recognize where your limit is and and hit that, I think. Mm. You have to play to your skill. You're not if yeah, you're 
yeah, if you're if you're Muggsy Bose, you're gonna play a very different game than Kareem Abdul Jabbar just by virtue of the fact that you're four feet shorter. You have to work with what you got. I tell you what, e even if people don't take part in the race, they, they've got to take a look at the forum thread because he's done a, it, it. It's great. It, I mean, the banner for, that he's done for it is is a is just oh, it's a work beautiful. Of art. It's beautiful. Yeah. The write up's great, and I, I love the the classes. I, I'm not sure I'm even gonna attempt to pronounce these classes, but um. There are four race classes for this, which mm. is quite unusual. And they're like, watch and sense, they're, they're Steigen das Brutus product, area, <laughs> and Space Taxi. Oh, Space Taxi is cool because you can even try and use your fleet carrier. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. You gotta love, you gotta love all, all of that. And of course, the, the the flag the poster ship the flagship on the poster is of course the venerable hauler the the, the uh, I think that, is that could that be the fat bottom girl I don't know but there's a man who races around in later hosen that uh, <laughs> I think very much approves of that ship yeah I've just been in fact just this afternoon I was plugging the race in the Burpitz Discord and I did say if there's any crazy Germans out there this might appeal so I'm mm. I am hoping to provoke prime time casual into giving this a shot beautiful. There are even, I'm not going to give this away, you have to dig deep into a nested pile of spoilers on the forum thread, but there's even prizes for this. Yeah. Very nice prizes they are too. Nice. Very, very nice. Well, this is going to be a kick-ass time, and as we've said many, many times before, buckyball racing is a thing that is a time trial thing. So you can go, you know, on a Wednesday at noon. You can go anytime you want. You don't have to line up next to anyone. You don't have to feel self-conscious. And in the end... Here's what you do on your very first thing, on your very first one, on, on this race in particular, don't even aim for a time. On your very first run, just call it your practice run. Don't aim for a time and just just go. So if it's, if it's at eight o'clock when you go, just go. And if it's like, okay, Matt, that took me 56 minutes. All right, yeah, yeah, then yeah. do it again and try to get it in 55. And that's that's all you're doing. You're just shaving a little here, shaving a little there getting a little bit better, having fun, learning skills, sharpening those skills, and, and you know, also shooting the shit with the guys. Yeah, I'll say one other thing, actually, there was a, there was a last minute change in the rules. Um, so the only thing about having to finish on the hour, it kind of meant, if, if like me, so I, I, I played a pretty rigid time of day, I get up at, <laughs> I get up at the horrible hour of 5.30 in the morning and I play mm. seven. Um, so that being on the hour, it kind of only gives me maybe one shot at, at finishing at seven um so i only really get one shot at the rate of day so he he's made it that you can finish on the half hour as well so so you're not so constrained about having to beautiful yeah good beautiful should be good all right well alec we will have in the show notes the link to the thread for this we'll have a link to obviously the uh, buckyball racers website and discord always a great time having you in and i look forward to i think maybe in within the next week or two i want to get you in for a talk because i know there's a thing you've been dealing with a whole you had a birthday present that was a monitor and there's been a whole saga about it you've done lots of research <laughs> yeah. i think it would be a nice little segment to have you in on a tech segment and talk to you about not racing for a change but talk to you about uh about the the world of monitors right now well that would be a good discussion i'd like to get someone else in who maybe knows i i've learned fast i've learned a lot <laughs> in the last week but um I, I, there's a lot of really knowledgeable people out there but it'd be a great discussion i think 
Well, I think especially right now with the new graphics cards coming up, there's a lot of people that are looking to update their rigs. And mm, part of yeah. that is looking at the monitors. So, yeah, we'll get you in to talk about that in the next week or two. Okay, cool. I'd like that. Nice one. All right. Well, thank you so much for dropping by, Alec. And uh, a big salute to the real men out there who are racing in their later hosen. They're a little German boy, German boy, German boy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alec. Absolutely. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Right on. So uh, we're going to push back the uh, community questions, the, the feedback from from the three episodes that we did in the last week, uh, because we're running super late on time. I'm going to ask you the community questions that I want you to respond to this week. And next week, we're going to get to all of the feedback that we had, plus these two questions. Community question number one. Your feedback on Subarim's forum thread. What do you want with regard to further story? There's a link in the show notes right underneath that question. Community question number two. What did you take from the WCCF interview with Luke Betterton and Chris Gregory? I also put, again, the show note link is in there. You should go read that interview. It is well-cited. It is well-sourced. It is well-thoughtful. And it has clues to what's coming. That brings us right up to state of the game. My state of the game is the game is uh, in an amazing spot. I'm super excited for what's coming. There's a lot of things that questions to be answered, stuff to be worked out. Uh, I'm super excited for, you know, uh, a lot of stuff. Some that I can say, some that I can't say yet, but I'm super, super excited. Um, and 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 I kind of want to say that I feel like if people were to look into the two community questions that I just asked really deeply and and you know think about what's to come, uh, there's there's a lot of reason to to be to be thoughtful and to be happy and to be uh, excited. Um, and that's pretty much. All the and and the you know the dark wheel is just kicking the hell out of everything and I I'm super super proud and thankful for that. Uh, Arson, your thoughts on uh, state of the game? Uh, I'm content. I'm happy. I am enjoying myself. And the closer we get to the Odyssey release, the more excited I am <laughs> for the potential of what's to come. Mm. So. I, I, my head right now is just spinning on the thing from the WCCF article. It's like, what are the new SRVs? I want to know. Yeah, the I believe the exact phrasing was plenty of ways to get around an Odyssey. And oh, mm -hmm. I, I'm All right. hoping for a bike. Yep, yep. Roy. So uh, let's see. After last week, I'd been traveling prior to that, so I'm catching up on a lot of things. I, mm. you know, I I was six weeks into a power play. I took care of that. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday uh finally gonna be heading back out and do some more mining both uh tritium and painite and uh i'd never actually tried void opals so i'm gonna be looking forward to some of that mm, right on tweaked yeah my state of the game is 
Elite Dangerous has never been better, in my opinion. There is so much out there to do right now that you can find no way to ever be bored, in my opinion. And I implore, again, everybody, all you commanders out there, get your engineering done on your ships now so that if there's dangerous places to fly to an Odyssey, you can survive it. And get your bank accounts up now because, in my opinion, we're going to be buying upgrades for our uh, exosuits. We're going to be buying upgrades for our weapons, buying different weapons, things like that. So you're going to want your credit balance up there, too. So lots and of tools. things to do. Whoa. Tweak, did you, ro you roboted and stopped for me? Hello? Yeah, I think we lost him momentarily there. Uh-oh. All right, Mattias, your thoughts. State of the game. <laughs> Um, well, I'm currently heading to Sagittarius A, um, and in terms of the game and the future content of the game, I'm very much looking forward to going into the Fargoid um, sites or motherships, as some people like to say, mm. um, and see what's in those eggs exactly. Right on. Well, that is a lot to, to keep in mind, and that's a lot to think about, and uh, I'm ready for it. All right. Um, I think that wraps it up. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, everyone, this week, Bill and Ted, uh, uh, episode three or whatever, Face the Music is out. You can buy it on demand. So I'm going to remind you all, be excellent to each other. Arson. Well said, Arson. All right, Mattias. <laughs> Um, yeah, be excellent to each other, and yeah, be excellent to each other. Just enjoy the game. Beautiful. Roy. Stay safe, everyone. Have fun. Arson again. Cricket, cricket. <laughs> Tweaked. Everybody, just keep your heads up. We will come through this COVID stuff and everything else that's going on in this crazy world of ours, and have some fun in Elite Dangerous. Absolutely. Play us out, Arson. Let's go. Let's get drunk.
Solo, that's a fact. I wish close to anything. Was-